This is The Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Hello, neighborino to the north. I sure like the cut of your gibberish. Cohen Doodly Doodly. Doodly Doodly. Pick a doodly. Doodly Doodly. Doodly Doodly Doodly. Doodly 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 Say, would you like to puff on a reeferino? It's legal here. They warned me Satan would be attractive. Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. And now, live from Studio E, The Bunt with Safer and Donovan. Welcome back to Studio E. Y'all know exactly what's going on up in here. I'm D. Jones. I got my main man, the ghost, with me. As always, the mad scientist himself, Ants One behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still, still. Ghost, tell them what we're working with this week. Big week in Studio E, as per usual. We got the homie, Ian Twa, Canadian legend, long overdue, a great friend. Just a great human all around, you know. We're we're getting older, D Jones. You know what it is. But you can always rely on Twa to try and stay hip with the youth and drop some trap edits on his Instagram. Uh, <laughs> love the guy. Happy to finally have him on the show. Hope y'all enjoy. Then uh, we taking y'all straight to the post office and of course wrapping it up with the rundown. I don't want to name names, but someone on Instagram was looking for some Canadian legends to come on the pod, and looks like you spoke too soon, brother, because Ian Twa is here, and we couldn't be happier. And with all that said, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Bunt Live, and then head over to our website, thebuntlive.com. Every episode logged for your listening pleasure. We get new listeners every week. And that's where you find the catalog, baby. And if you want to support the People's Podcast, head over to patreon.com slash the bunt. We doing it for y'all and every penny counts. Ghost, it was a big week in skateboarding. I know you got a shout out of the week. Let's hear it. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Bruv, the Boston connection snapped. You know what I mean? The homie, VX Lee. I think it, I think it was just some unused shit. The video is called yeah, Cleanser. So. It's called Cleanser. You can see it at Free Skate Mag. And um, I guess it was like an unused footage dump. But that Boston footage is always primo. So make sure you check it. You know what I mean? T. Clark in the building. Taylor Clark. Our boy, Zeb Wiseman. Legend. A couple banging PJ Ladd clips. Yo, Eggs Benny G. I didn't know his name was Benny Goldman. Making it pop. Will Mazzari. <laughs> you know, all the boys. David Milliken. Shit, go give it a check, man. Cleanser. Boston. Let's go. You know exactly what you're going to get when a VX Lee clip pops up on Free Skate Mag. It's just a thing of beauty. We love watching all those guys skate. And to have a man like Lee behind the camera and behind the edit, it's pure magic, baby. Real shit. So like we said, we got the Canadian legend Ian Twa in the building this week. One of the great Canadian skate stories, and he's here to tell the whole damn thing. So sit back, relax, order some maker pizza like us, 
It's a Tropic Thunder type of night. Couple orders of wings. You know I got some chocolate chip cookies for my boy, The Ghost. Order them in-store, downtown at Queen and Spadina, or uptown Avenue Road in Lawrence, or on the app, available on Android and available on iOS. Maker Pizza, man. Maddie Matheson, tell them what they get when they order Maker. This is literally the best pizza in the world. Let's get into the interview. This is a monumental moment inside Studio We We got the legend, Ian Twa, in the building. What's cracking, man? Fuck, not much, man. Uh, sitting here in my bedroom. What are you guys saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in the floor in mine, man. Yeah, I'm in Studio We all the time, every time. Twa, you ever listened to the show before? Yeah. You know what question comes first? Yeah, what's my favorite moment in sports? Let's hear it, baby. It's only one, real one. 1989 Flame Stanley Cup. Woo! Damn. <laughs> sea of Red, eh? That's what's up. And what about your favorite skate moment? Mmm, fuck. It's Benny fakey frontside flipping off the fucking mountaintop. <laughs> which one, man? What, in, in China or yeah, which one? Yeah, China. Bro, you weren't there for that. No, I wasn't there, but. <laughs> it's just a moment. That's the moment. Yeah. Wasn't that like a fold-out cover? Like yeah. Like one of the rarest things ever? I think it was like the biggest, uh, like the the biggest selling SBC cover ever or some shit. Damn. Where'd you get that fact from? Yeah. What the fuck shit you making up? Dude? I don't know, but I got that fact. That's the type of facts <laughs> I got. <laughs> That's fire. I like that. That's like when we say we're the number one podcast in skateboarding, man. Pulling facts out of our ass. Yo, Twa, here, drop yeah. a, drop another fact on us. What percentage of the listeners do you think know who you are? <laughs> a small percentage, <laughs> I would think. We got a lot of Canadian listeners, though. I don't know what your listener, what your listening base is. Like, maybe under 50%, but I don't know. But even, <laughs> even if you got Canadian listeners, like, they were probably born in the 90s and shit, and I don't know if they know who I am anyways. Give us a number. I'm going to say... 12%. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say... <laughs> Disrespectful. I'm going to say 10. <laughs> <laughs> they about to I'm know you. north of 50, man. They about to be fans, too. That's for damn sure. Your followers about to go through the roof, man. Oh, shit. You're going to get seven new followers, guaranteed. <laughs> Yo, Tweez, take us back to the beginning. Where'd you come up and how'd you get into skating? I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, was like... I don't know, skating for, like, a local skate shop there. Back then in Calgary, there was, like, some fucking ill rippers. There was this dude, Dwight Pinot, who was, like, super OG legend. Uh, Tim Breen was living in Calgary for a while. And uh, those dudes were just fucking legends. Jesse D. Champlain and, like, Dave Lambert and people like that. So there was kind of, like, a mix of, like, heavy Calgary rail skaters and then, like, some tech ledge skaters that were doing things like around me as a kid that I don't know I just started skating with people like that you definitely gravitated towards the ledges you ain't got a hash bone in your body son yeah but when I are you kidding when I, he's got the rail game when I moved <laughs> out from Calgary all I skated was rails true people don't even know that cause it was like pre <laughs> fucking DVDs and shit man I got VHS tapes where I'm fucking kick front boarding like 10 stair rails and shit <laughs> like, like weird rail shit <laughs> Weird rail <laughs> shit, you know? Oh, shit. Oh, man, this, this is going to be good. 
Oh. Yo, you mentioned the name <laughs> Dave Lambert, dude. There's a uh, a myth that Dave Lambert quit skating because he learned all the tricks. Man, is that is there any truth to that? No, man. I, I think he had a fucked up back. Oh, he had like a fucked up back or something, like for real. That guy was special, though, man. Yeah, he he was actually he was pretty sick. Like some of his clips were, you know, pretty pretty kind of questionable. Like right away sometimes on his clips, but like. At the time, and like he was like a sixteen-year-old kid, like you know, sw- doing crazy ledge tricks. Mm-hmm. Dude, I fully thought you were talking about Colin Lambert, but yo, Dave Lambert, holy shit, what a legend! Ahead of the game for sure. Yeah, he would be killing it right now. He's like the perfect skater for twenty twenty-one, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What was your first big break in the skate industry? Back in Calgary. There's, there's some other homies that have come out of Calgary, like, from my age generation. People probably won't know who they are either, but, you know, <laughs> Ryan Outen. Hell yeah. Right? Ryan Outen, Jason yeah. Cooper. That's who I was, cool. again, like, those were my homies. That's who I kind of moved, like, out to van with. But back when we were 16, we were, like, we were driving to Winnipeg to stay with Jason Crawley and hang yeah. out with, like, Ryan McGuigan and them back then just because we were trying to like you know make like a calgary shop video so we were doing that type of stuff when i was like still living in calgary at 16 like trying to make some local shop video but we thought we were doing it like right <laughs> going to winnipeg crashing at crawley's house for like you know the weekend skating spots and shit and then cooper moved to to vancouver to the chateau and at that time like the chateau was basically like a circa house McD was on Circa, Stanger was on Circa, Joey Williams was on Circa, Jason Crawley was on Circa, and Cooper was on Circa in Calgary. And and he got invited out to live there, and I was still like just like bunting my way through high school, <laughs> but I was like still in high school. Cooper was older than me. So I chilled in Calgary. He moved out and then like when I finished like what was my grade twelve of high school, even though I didn't friggin' finish they had a spot for me in the house. Uh, and I moved out the day after Halloween, the 2000, year 2003 that I finished high school. Damn, bro. No high school Damn. diploma. Just chasing that skate dream. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously chasing that skate dream. I remember my parents were like, thought I was pretty much out of my mind. But like, they like, you know, like, gave me like 500 bucks or something as like a birthday present that summer and was like you know like this is to help you leave because i like go to vancouver because like that's what i was saying i was going to do right i was i was talking about being there like the whole year that i was trying to finish grade 12 and it was weird then because like that's all like that like we thought like you did like as far as like trying to progress like yourself in the skate industry was like go to vancouver you know that's where like the north videos were coming out at that time Oh, yeah. And it was like, that was just kind of like, like Calgary's pretty close. Yeah. Everyone so. was moving from the East Coast to Vancouver at that time still. Your little Calgary squad was fucking fire, man. Cooper, Elton, and you? That's a serious trio. Did that, that skate shop vid ever come out? Yeah, no, there's like, those, those were the VHS videos that I fucking already was fucking claiming about. But those are like, uh, there was like this video called like the, the Mission video, which was like a Mission skate shop video. And then, like, we all, like, quit that shop and then started riding for this shop freewheeling, and we, like, made a video for them, like, right after. <laughs> Seen that local drama. So, like I said, we already thought we were doing it. Yeah. 
you mentioned it uh you lived in le chateau but you've also lived in like all the the most epic and notorious skate houses in vancouver history that we know of give us a little quick rundown of uh the skate house life in van yeah all right like we we did skate house life in van for like just i don't know a good 12 or 13 years there so i moved out i moved into the chateau out in burnaby like i said it was like me crawley mcd stanger cooper joey williams uh this guy steve lyons was living there too and it was like a four-bedroom house right like how many people did i just name so (laughs) right that was like house number one it was out in burnaby kind of outside the city and to my understanding like the reason mcdee and all them started the chateau was actually at the time because dermer and aaron johnson and all them had the dorm going like downtown in the west end and when mcguigan and them were moving out they were like kind of talking about trying to get them in the dorm and like it wasn't like an actual beef thing but mcdee and them went and found this house that was kind of far but they were like oh it's the chateau right like nah like (laughs) you know like we don't live downtown like we live out here like in the big house right like so that was kind of like the concept of that and that was dope like that was just so dope like those those days of like skating the front street like with stanger and mcdee that was when i really realized like i was like holy fuck like these guys are good (laughs) these guys are like so like much better than like i could even imagine you know like even the way mcd like talked about skating like you know like it was almost like you know like you you weren't good at switch flips like if you couldn't switch flip into a nose wheelie like (laughs) how good are you at that trick and that like applied to like every trick so like I don't know. They were like so advanced. Uh, again, from what I was coming from, they weren't kick front boarding tens though. Come on, Doug. Yeah, I mean they had probably done that too, been through that phase too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still, right? They were like advanced, like on some tech shit. They were advanced, and and that was like inspirational. Like it wasn't like a negative thing to me. Like when McD said something like that, you know, I was like, fuck yeah! Like it was like inspirational. Like I was like, you got to get like that much better. And like even even then, man, like to to speak about Stanger a bit, like like when I I would wake up in the morning, because I was living in the living room behind a couch, paying 120 bucks a month for rent, okay, <laughs> but like living on a mattress behind the couch in the living room, like everyone would suspect I would be at 18, and because uh, Vancouver is an expensive city to live in, and and I would wake up and Stanger would be like skating flat in sweats, pre shower on the front street. And, like, it was just, like, a friggin' gun going off. Just, like, (laughs) Like, he was just hammering tricks. And then he would, like, pick up his board, walk back up the street, like, back down. It was, like, on a little bit of a hill. It's the same hill that he kicked nose wheelies the block in uh, at the end of Modern Love or or, or whatever it is, right? Like, that's our front street. It's in front of the house that he does that. And, And he was doing that shit, like, before he would have a shower in the morning. Like, just, you know, like, go put, like, an hour of flat ground in, like, first thing in the morning. So, those guys were so good, and, like, it made me want to skate a lot. And that was my first taste of of a real skate house to start there. And then that house, like every house we've lived in Vancouver, something goes wrong because real estate here is so crazy. It goes up for sale. And uh, and we got to move out. And initially, McDee and Joey get a place nearby, and me, Stanger, 
Ryan McGuigan, Aaron Rosenblatt, who oh, was yeah. in the first Green Apple video, and Mike Vince, who have now moved into the Chateau over these years. You know, like, I don't want to leave anyone out, but, right, they have now moved in with us over the years as well. Um, so we start the Chateau. <laughs> and, and that was like, you know, Crawley. Crawley's an honorary guest at, at any house we have because he's going back and forth to Winnipeg kind of like six months a year. Were you part of 1278 or at what point does 1611 East? So like 1278 hasn't even happened yet. And then 1611 East, the place where I got to spend some quality time with the boys. At some moment, Mike Vince actually ended up moving out of the fuck shop. And what's interesting is a lot of people might not know this is uh, I know Brian Weary because Weary moved to Calgary for a year back in the day when I was like 15 to work and kind of skate the source indoor skate park, which was huge at the time. It was the biggest indoor skate park in North America and chill in Calgary. And we lived there for a year. So me and Weary were boys because I was like always at that skate park back then and high school. And like, you know, we were on a bit of a different tip back then because I was in high school and he was already a grown man and shit. (laughs) But we hung out and we skated and like we chilled a lot in Calgary. So right around the time Vince was moving out of the fuck shop, I saw Weary at a party off Commercial Drive in Vancouver and he was living at like Dermer's or someone's house and I was like, yo man, like we're, we gotta get you into my house. Like, you know, like we're moving you into the fuck shop like right away. Like there's no question about it. <laughs> and uh, so, and we got weary into the crib and then, so when, and he lived at the fuck shop like with me, Stanger and Joey for like the last year and a half or something, right? I remember like I went and looked at 1611 East and it was like a six bedroom house. It was two floors, two kitchens, Fat. three bathrooms. One of the bedrooms was like a like a mini classroom, like extension to the house. Like, I went and looked at it, and I was like, ah, oh, like we can't live here. Like, the price is right, but like, you know, like we're trying to live cheap, and like we're gonna need six people to live here. Or something, you know, like that doesn't make sense, right? Like me and Weary were trying to find a place for like me, him, and Joey or something, right? It was kind of a weird time where we weren't really sure if we could make it work, but. We were kind of like, fuck it, like, let's put, you know, me, Weary, Wade, Spenny, Joey, my friend, Kane Cripps, and our other, other buddy, LJ Brownlee, into a house together, right? Like, there was this group of people that we thought we could live with, yeah. you know, like, who, like, who can we <laughs> get to crazy. commit to this <laughs> house? So that's how we started 1611 East. Who got the big ass room? Who got the master? I swear to God, it was me. <laughs> and, it, and it was kind of like fucked up. You know, it was like a classroom. Like I had a couch and like a desk and like a bed and there was like space in there. Like it was it was the biggest place I've ever lived in. Uh, shit was pimping. Um, and it was cheap for, for the six bedroom place. It was three grand a month or something. Holy fuck. You guys were laughing. So we all paid we all paid 500 bucks a month. Um, there was, a, you know multiple living rooms a room with the ping pong table in it um like a big ass solarium yo ty james in the solarium yo (laughs) yeah yeah we ended up renting the solarium to multiple different people over the years you know um kyle ty james that place was special man it was like you go to visit one homie and you end up visiting like five of your homies and six of your homies seven you never know who's gonna be there who's gonna wake up there 
after some beers or whatever but thank you guys for holding it down for uh everyone visiting rest in peace 1611 east legendary straight up skate house so the skate dream for most is to ride for big u.s companies make a bunch of money travel the world unfortunately that's not realistic for most skaters out there it's not in our opinion you had a, a really successful skate career in the canadian world let's break it down and give the kids in smaller markets like canada a realistic look into what living the skate dream might look like on a smaller scale let's go through your sponsorship history over the years and kind of you know pull back the curtain on what being a sponsored skater is that's not necessarily uh you know making the big bucks yeah you know like i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't trade what i did for for anything right like um and, and so like i'm i wouldn't I wouldn't discourage people from like chasing a skate dream, you know. And if you if you really want to like do it like on some on some weird level of like you know like you you want to be entitled to like to being that big like dude that's like in the limelight or something like fuck man like just fucking skate your goddamn ass off right like as hard as you can because it's it's crazy out there with how good people are and. And I respect, like, so many different types of skaters. But, yeah, like, the Canadian game is, is interesting, you know, because, like I said, when I was growing up, like, I thought people in Vancouver were hooked up, you know? <laughs> like, I, I thought that was the dream. And some of them were, right? Because some people in Vancouver, like Galia, mm -hmm. like, at the time, they were definitely doing it, you know? Galia was, had a pro shoe for, uh, what was it? Was it Naughty or something? Henry Sanchez's footwear company that kind of, kind of didn't quite pull through and stuff and like you know they were all like had pro boards for a lot of them dark star whatever right but they were all doing it so but at the same time when you moved out here and i moved in with people like stanger who who weren't getting like you know like none, none of us were, were really getting any money right we were just getting product from the distributions for like the brands that you know they have like probably different budgets for that that made sense maybe in like some aspect of what you would be a good look for um but you know getting just a lot of product and like hustling product and most of us working jobs like a lot of us working jobs you know mcd and stanger not so much they were definitely getting more hooked up but you know like cooper all of us we were all grinding weary like all, all of us were always grinding you know so we were we were skating after work, skating all night, skating on the weekends, you know, getting help from some of these distributions to like, or magazines at the time to like put a trip together to go to Barcelona, but like paying for it, like with a lot of our own money, saving money, like paying rent here, getting an apartment there. That was something that was like, you know, it was crazy. Like even on my life to just be kind of doing that, like all the different like career opportunities that weren't really good career opportunities at the time like in retrospect anyways but you know <laughs> that i thought maybe were opportunities at the time or or relationships <clears throat> that i had that like you know to really do the skate thing it was like none of that could really matter because all you had to do was like get enough money to quit your job and pay for rent somewhere for a couple months of the winter so you could get the hell out of here and just try to keep skating you know and shooting photos and and filming for you know whatever you're working on so it was like a it was a grind we we were all grinding 
trying to again make make trips happen and and it was hard but it was dope and and the people that did give us a little bit of support like it was appreciated but you know most of it we just paid for ourselves because we just wanted to do it and the photographers that came with us you know maybe their trip was paid for but ours wasn't when when stanger went to barcelona he paid for his own way most of the time you know trav always paid for his own way it'd be the filmer and the photographer going for free that's about it yeah so it was definitely a grind uh but it was like you know those things i'm talking about were like the best times like you know best some of the best times of my life like going on those trips with these people um meeting different people from you know different places but yeah it was a grind and and it was all about photos back then in canada that's all the distributions cared about literally like they were like tally up your photos at like the end of a year and like look at like whether the logos of the brands that you were repping were showing maybe cut you that photo incentive check you know (laughs) some people were getting different salaries for some of the brands and like when i mean salaries you know i mean like a couple hundred dollars and a couple is two right (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) um but that like the photos were so important back then for for what was the canadian industry like that's mm-hmm. all that mattered and and i was very lucky in that sense just to put that out like when i moved into the chateau the photographers that were showing up dave christian brian cassie dylan doubt all of these people were just all over trav you know all oh, they yeah. wanted to shoot was stanger and mcd you know, me and Cooper were there, and we skated with Trav and McDee a lot, too. But, you know, like, so it was kind of like, that was easy for me to start getting photos, you know? Um, which was how I actually started actually getting sponsors. Like, when I, Cooper was on Alien Workshop and on Circa and all these brands by the time I moved out. And I went into Center, and I showed, I showed Moses a sponsor me tape that had some shit in it that was kind of newer from Vancouver. Um, you know, I should have just pulled out my, my Calgary hammers off the VHS, to be honest, <laughs> right? Okay? But I'm trying to show him, like, some new shit that I just got in Vancouver. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I like it. He's like, I like it, Ian. He's like, he's like, you need a couple enders. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. He said that shit. And, and that was all good because, you know, I have respect for Moses as I continue the story. Um, and in the next month... I had a Young Bloods in SBC and a Checkout in Concrete or whichever vice versa that works, yeah. whatever you know the title for each mag is, at the same time. And both of them I was wearing a DC shirt in the photo or DC shoes clearly in the photo. And Moses hit me up and was like, hey, we're going to, yeah, I saw your photos. I'm going to send you a box of DC. What size shoe are you? You're on DC now. You're on the Canadian team now. Let's go. You got those photos run. And that happened like pretty quick from actually when he said no. Like, so, you know, maybe he had already been considering it. And again, I didn't mean to, you know, make Moses sound, like I said, like, you know, it was fucking Moses Conan. He was like, you need some enders. And I probably did, you know, maybe my part was soft at the end, but he saw those photos come out. And they, you know, the footage wasn't in the part that I had shown him, I don't think, either. So it was some newer shit. Bro, you and Trep are the worst at that. You have so many photos over the years that you didn't, unfortunately, like, we know you landed the tricks, but, like, you you guys might be the top two in photos with no footage. That's a perfect example, though, of, like, you know, and, and I was on a lot of those sessions with Trep. Like, me and Trep would go out with Cassie without a filmer. Like, there was no filmers in Vancouver 
not for like the amount of skaters that were here that like really wanted to like work yeah, with someone sure. or like you know work with you to to make a video part so it was way easier to just go out with like one of these photographers that were like pretty hungry again to go out like you know you could but between some of the people i named like you could almost go with a photographer almost every day mm -hmm. like sometimes cassie would film the clip too just because cassie's like hungry like that and he'd be like oh if you need the footage because because we would want to go out with him even like because what you're saying oh we don't have a film cassie be like i'll film it too yeah to get the photo <laughs> but yeah it was all about photos right well canada's a funny market where it seems like for so long it was just the distributions running everything and not like it is today where you can get a box for just posting a couple stories like these distributions wanted to see footy like every month to get these boxes yeah like cody and Safo would have to give center legit footy every month to keep the product coming man and also it's always exactly. seemed like there was one shoe company for each like period of time that ran canada like you said <laughs> for a while it was circa yeah. and then it moved over to dc and now it's vans canada like there's always one shoe company that's supplying almost all of canada and for a long time you were on dc like you said so at its peak what were you getting from dc like how hooked up were you yeah at, at my peak i got a 500 dollars check a month that didn't last that didn't last long for me though yeah i think i got it for one year um i got it for one year which was mad fucking sick and then some some different people came into like the team manager position and they just started friggin oh like, who, who gave you the axe man that was my now it's time to vent don't tell me it was jc i don't even want to do it you know oh, but i don't even want to do it but the fucking i think my exit was like i don't know man this dude he, he's kind of homies with some of the homies but this dude mikey scott ran dc canada for a bit and like i just i'm pretty sure the dude just didn't like me and like i'm not even kidding fucking hell like he's a snowboarder that doesn't skate like he didn't make a decision based on like anything to do with me skating or contributing to dc damn he just mm. wasn't really ever down with me and fucking he just hell. cut my check i asked him why like you know like the other people on the team that i had talked to were really kind of like oh that's weird like did you ask him what the hell's going on like he's he's talking about like boosting us up you know and <laughs> again like no hard feelings if he thought i wasn't producing or something like that because it's all good but i was just like oh fuck like all right this dude just must not be down with me you know for sure because yo i just remember like like you just said it was all about photos in that era in canada and you were in fucking every damn mag all the time so yeah. I could only imagine it must have been something personal. I don't know. So, yeah, like, and I didn't even really care, you know? Like, I mean, like, I was pissed off because I was trying to work as little as possible so I could actually skate as much as I goddamn could. But I, I seriously, like, because of why I thought I was getting kicked off, I was like, this is like a joke. Like, I couldn't even, like, understand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I was, like, talking to people, and again, they were like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know if he likes you type shit. Like, I was like, what? Like, this guy doesn't like me? Like, okay, whatever, you know? Like, yeah. whatever, right? So, like, I never even really, like, confronted it too up front at the time, um, uh, which was too bad, right? Because I knew some of, some of the other homies uh, on DC, like, in the U.S., 
not because of any introduction of, of DC Canada, but because I had met them like on my own dollar, like living in SF, like trying to skate down at the island every bloody day. But I liked being a part of DC for a long time. But yeah, so it was kind of weird. A couple trips happened without me like moving forward after that too. And eventually it just came to a point where uh, I thought I should, I should walk. Um, and I quit DC and then they actually did kick everybody off. Like, you know, like a month later, but then nobody got kicked off or something like all that shit was going down at that yeah. time. So yeah. it was just like a weird time, but yeah, I had been on DC for like 10 years at that point. So <laughs> like, you know, it was like 18 to like, this is like, maybe I'm not at a 10 year point when the story's unfolding, but like, it was like, you know, eight years or something like it had been a while. So and Damn. I thought I was still progressing myself, like, at that time. Uh, so I, I was trying not even to stress it. Like, I didn't even stress it. You know, I got on friggin' Lakai because, basically, because Super Distribution, like, liked me enough to be like, hey, well, we'll give you shoes. And I didn't want DVSs. Like, no offense to DVS. It just wasn't cool. <laughs> it, had already done its, it had already done its time, you know? Like, yeah, of course. Weary and all these people had already moved on, like you know, and DBS was like sponsoring like oh, yeah. fishermen and stuff or something. <laughs> like, yo, so, wait, like, yo, DBS had a hot Canadian team for a minute like, though. Was McD on there? Stanger, Stanger, yeah, yeah, McD, Stanger, and like that's what was so funny, right? Like when when McD and Stanger like got on at Supra, like then Trav and everybody like went over to Supra, right? Right, but, well, all of us did. Mandems got trapped in the vortex. CHPO wants to hear your favorite skate and sports moment. Send your answers in to thebuntlive at gmail.com and the winners will be picked in episode 12. And you know those winners are getting a fat box from CHPO brand. And if you would like to support Skatistan or SkatePal, you can visit their websites, skatistan.org and skatepal.co.uk or purchase a Skatistan or SkatePal product from chpobrand.com. 100% of the profits will be donated. CHPO brand, always doing it for the people. All right, so we know what's guaning on the shoe side of things. On the board side, you used to ride for affiliate skateboards with Neen Williams and Derek Wilson. That was pretty random from Vancouver. How, how'd that all shake out? Yeah, that was actually random as fuck. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know what? And I never, I didn't have a board sponsor till I was like 24 or something. Like I couldn't get a fucking good board sponsor cracking for some reason so but i was i was living down in sf a lot uh with my homie jordy gillies and uh he's just my homie from calgary and he was actually working for diamond at the time uh, i forget what the distribution was called that was doing it in sf at the time but it was uh greg carroll that owned the distribution um and he was doing like ace trucks and force trucks and also the homie uh, Justin uh, Williams or Ears. If everyone probably fucking more people listen to this podcast probably know who Ears is than know who I am. But uh, <laughs> Ears was fucking living down there at the time too, working for Force and stuff. And they actually showed me a little bit of love. 
Um, and they were just like, you know, ears would like drive me out to Sacramento on the weekend and shit. And like, actually I was skating with like Mark Sushi back then and he was like 15. He might not even remember me, but facts. We what? went to a couple trips to Sacramento together when he was like so young uh, and he was already hella good. But, uh, and then at the time I met this dude, Reggie Destin, who was like the East Coast diamond sales manager for the USA. He was living in Chicago and he was a co-owner of Affiliate. So that was kind of like how that connection got brought to light. And, and Reggie was just like hyped on me and he was trying to get some Canadian distribution at the time and he, he wanted to grow the brand. Uh, and he was just like really hyped on trying to grow affiliate and like kind of reset affiliate at that moment because it had been around for a while, but he wanted to put some focus into it and he, w- he wanted a Canadian rider and he, he hooked me up and he put me on and, and we worked out something that made it so I could skate a little more, right? Like he gave me uh, a good little break and, and he's actually rest in peace um, which which I'll get to, but um, yeah, that dude did a lot for me, Reggie. So he was dope. And Neen was on, but he actually quit. Like I met Neen when I was on affiliate. We went and, and did a trip down to Long Beach. Like as soon as I got on, and uh, and kicked it with Neen like the whole week. And he was living down there. Um, and I, I still know Neen because he's friends with Spenny and shit, and he comes up to Vancouver sometimes. But uh, Neen actually quit pretty quick into me getting on but i wasn't on that long because because reggie um passed away so you know uh that was that was really unfortunate because i felt like there was something going on there and we were doing trips to long beach we did a trip to puerto rico uh again Derek wilson uh was on at that time and, and we had some stuff kind of popping off but you know when reggie passed affiliate just ended like like mm-hmm. that it just ended so it was sad um and you know to to my understanding too reggie you know he got hit by like like an ex-con drunk driver while he was like biking down the street in chicago right like so so there was no like uh you know there wasn't like a lot of justice for like anyone that knew reggie or anything like that you know which was really too bad but affiliate was dope he brought me to chicago too you know he brought me to the affiliate uh, warehouse, like where they were pressing boards, uh, graphics on the boards themselves. And was like, you know, like um, letting me just like mess around with like different graphics and and things like that on t-shirts and stuff like that too. So it it was short lived, but super sick. And then kind of right after that happened was when I started working with Ben uh, Olenek, who who was managing Zoo at the time, who was living in New York, and and for people who don't know Ben Olenek, uh, he you know used to live in Canada. He, he used to live in Vancouver. He's from Wawa, Ontario. Uh, you know, one of my best friends, one one of the best dudes out there in the skate industry today. If if you know him, and he's got your back. But he was working at Zoo York for the time, and and he wanted to just you know do anything he could at any moment throughout. Uh, his position there to kind of help help me um, and, and try to do something with my skating where I could skate a little more and, and just again try to get like my footage out there to a bigger audience of people, you know. Um, 
and, and mm-hmm. we would kind of laugh about it like that, right? Like he would be like, hmm, like, can you believe like you're gonna have footy in the new zoo vid? Like, isn't that friggin' insane? Because like it's so <laughs> insane that Ben even worked there, and like, you know, like, and Ben is like a, a guru of skateboarding. It's not that he's not qualified to run zoo, just so we're clear, right? Like, but it just how he progressed his career and how he was able to lend me some support and, and do something with me at Zoo at that time, especially right as like, you know, that was kind of like a, just a weird like, you know, showstopper with affiliate. Um, it, it was just perfect timing for, for me. And, and I had been visiting him in New York, you know, every year anyways. Big shouts out to Ben, the GOAT, the, the man behind Grand Collection, does a lot for us over here at the pod. Anytime he can uh, slide us into anything, whether it be an interview for this or that, he's uh, always helping out. Big shouts out to Ben, one of the yeah man, one of the real good guys in the skate industry, man. Yeah, and he just loves skating. Hundred percent. He just loves skating, and like he actually loves. Also got one of the best fakie flips in the in the game, dog. That's like, what I'm saying. Like he loves skating. Like he's out skating and shit. So he's he's not just that dude in the industry um, trying to pull strings like he can throw down too nah, he's organizing skate trips he's saying it's for the team but you know it's for himself he wants to go just as it's bad just as anyone. for him yeah. <laughs> that's why he he's trying to get that heel manny <laughs> basically that's it's, it's straight up not to call him out but straight up right he's like yeah the team's got to do a trip he's like uh like, yo, we got to go to this Manny spot because <laughs> he's got his own trick planned. <laughs> so are you saying he's the opposite of Mikey Scott or whatever the DC guy was? Let's not nah, put them yeah, in the same different sentence, universe. Right? Different universe. <laughs> yeah, you turned pro for Zoo York back in 2012. Crazy it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. What did it mean to you to, to see your name on a board? You know, fuck, like, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me in a sense of, like, it... It was something that, I mean, you know, however you feel about, you know, my board being sold in Canada or not and not being pushed, like, you know, maybe it's like some full fucking zoo pro. Like, you know, I grinded my fucking ass off in Canada. Um, and, and like I said, like, for for that, just to be something like at the least that, like, you know, I could show my parents, you know, I could show um, some of my family and, and friends back home. Um, who, who are probably the, you know, some of the only people that actually still have it, you know, like my dad, um, had one framed like a friggin' piece of fucking sports memorabilia. Right. And he still has that shit. Right. So, so, so for them to be able to have it, like was, was, was just such like an honorable moment, you know, like that, that meant like a lot to me. And, and there's so few people, especially in Canada, where you know like some of just the most talented people around me maybe didn't didn't get given that kind of certification that that probably for sure deserved it didn't make me feel um necessarily bad i just i just know how special it it, you know it it was for for that to kind of happen and i don't know that that's that's what it was for me right so it really fucking psyched me up. It you know it made me wanna wanna skate like really hard. And, and there was a couple zoo trips you know that I was able to go on because of that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a dope moment. Bro, you hit up China with Steez Ortiz, man. 
Was there a question there? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, but just while we're here, yo, the welcome to Zoo York part, or I don't know if it was a welcome part, but your pro part for Zoo York was absolutely banging, dog. That shit was crazy. Thanks. Hey, boy, over there. Yeah. Hear me calling. I probably watched that more than any person other than you probably watching yourself. Yeah. You know, that was a good part. I, I think they should have, <laughs> they probably should have let. This sounds fucked up because, like, you know, everyone says something like this, but they probably should have let somebody else edit it, even though they wanted, like, you know, Zoo to edit it. Um, and, and the Zoo dude that does all the edits and, and ended up filming more of my stuff later, R.B. Umali, is the best. So I wasn't trying to discredit R.B. Umali, but at that time, he didn't know me uh, very well. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was that was a bunch of footage, actually, from... Like, all those trips, like, if, if you look at the footage, like, Barcelona, Miami, like, fucking California, all over the place. And that had been footage that I had stacked, like, again, like, traveling by myself, you know, to get to that spot, right? Where Ben felt like he could mm-hmm. put that part out and, like, put Zeus brand on it and feel good about it. The grind, baby. So, because we're using your skate career as, like, a case file for any kids listening thinking about pursuing the skate dream what what did it look like on the business side for you having like a canadian pro board or like a i don't know was it i don't know if it was sold in the states too but uh what was the business side of that for you Mm. so it was kind of weird like again you know and i'm just going to be honest like ben you know had basically worked something out where he could put my name on a board and justify another branch of, of zoo canada distribution that owned the clothes to pay me like ian is endorsing the brand in canada you know you gotta pay oh. ian right like because i'm canadian like it's confusing mm-hmm. you know it's not easy for an american company to just start paying canadians so you know again it, it was kind of confusing to get that done and the clothing uh distribution that that wasn't a skate distribution that owned the zoo brand in canada um as far as a again um a soft goods perspective like they probably didn't even really like paying me you know like that i was a, a nuisance to their marketing budget yeah. you know ben was just like this is what you got no like this is what you guys are gonna do so i even had to like report to this guy sometime in canada i don't even remember his fucking name but i had to report to this guy sometime in canada <laughs> and like let him know what i was doing which was basically like you guys said like when even still when you're writing for the distribution, right? Like that's who he was. He was a distribution paying me. So even that was like, you know, kind of like jigsawed together, but um, yeah. And then, you know, Ben would just make some trips happen and like throw me on trips. I don't even know how he got budget for him. And I was probably just like, you know, like an extra baggage for Chaz or something. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? he's like yo chaz got two overweight bags he needs an extra seat that was like how i got to china or something because <laughs> stuff like that would happen oh, stuff like that would happen man i was in new york like zoo zoo did get me an apartment an airbnb in new york one summer for a month and and chaz actually couldn't he was supposed to come Damn. to new york and he couldn't and he had a good reason but he couldn't come um something like for some contest shit and uh and and ben you know put me in his hotel for the week right so stuff like that would happen sometimes you know (laughs) but yeah that's what's up ben ben hooked it up again like i can't say it enough speaking of dollar bills 
and uh, trying to get paid to struggle in these streets as a Canadian skater. My daughters once offered you photo incentive. Where's the check at, dog? Where's the check? Yo, I I never got that check, my dude. I never I never got that check, yo. <laughs> but I was I was definitely trying to get on KO. I was trying to get on KO, and he emailed me and was like, "Yo, uh, like we really appreciate all all the fucking representing you're doing of KO up in Canada. I got a photo incentive check for you because I had just had like two interviews come out where all I'm skating is fucking." KO boards, whether it's fucking uh, usually Organica, but like tons of DGK shit too, um, mm-hmm. right? And um, through Spenny and Wade, and that I'm trading in at Underworld. So I, I'm like, fuck, like, this is the TM of KO emailing me. Like, I'm like, yo, this is nuts. Like, I gotta be real, right? Like, I'm, I'm trying to be real. Like, I'm the polite Canadian here, fucking my dumbass, right? I'm like, Yo, man, like, here's my address. Like, you know, like, I'm not on KO. Like, like, you know, I'm trying to get on KO. Like, you can't get on KO in Canada because it's like a distribution <laughs> budget thing that we've already discussed. It's like just some bullshit anyways, you know? And like, and, uh, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, never sends me that check. Like, never sends me that check. <laughs> Is, is that end result of that story And I think he did send me like Two boxes You know he sent me two boxes of Organica Stuff over the border Which was actually like mad appreciated And then he was like yo I can't Send you stuff over the border Like he's like that's it cost me Like more than the boards like That's not happening like go Get it from the Canadian distribution Like is what he said and the Canadian distribution was like we give two people in Canada KO, you know, like Spenny was still one of them at the fucking time. It's hard in these streets, Deggy. So we, we appreciate the transparency with all this. So to put a bow on it for any, any people, young kids, whether it's Canada or somewhere else with a lesser market than like the biggest mainstream, highest paying sponsors. If we're looking back. So at one point you made 500 a month from DC. <laughs> Ben had to pull some strings to get you paid from Zoo York and you paid for most of your travel over the years. Basically, what we want the kids to know is that if you're chasing the skate dream, you better actually love skateboarding because it's not as cushy as you might think. You know, there's a lot of grinding and couches. Like, you know, and and like I said, you know, like if you want to do it, man, do it. Like, but like, just, you know, think like, you know, there's these kids out there with like, you know, that Jordan mentality, you know, like that tiger mentality. And I respect these athletes, you know, I'm referencing, but like, you know, if you think you're going to make a living doing it and not have to work, like you, you better be one of the best that, you know, anyone's ever seen, right? Like you, you better be Mm -hmm, the best or you better got, you better have something going for you that other people don't have you know that that doesn't mean anything right like i still skate right so and i skate every day so you know i I would never deter people from skating or chasing a skate dream but you know you need to be realistic like you're canadian i'm canadian right so i was i thought i was doing it in a canadian scene you know and and stuff's changed with instagram and social media so again i'm a fucking dinosaur here 
But, you know, I thought I was doing it in a Canadian scene in, in all these Canadian skate mags. I had, you know, a bunch of Canadian sponsors, fucking all these free clothes, looking at people like I'm a sponsored skater. And I'm um, like, like some flow dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I'm some flow dude through a distribution is, is what I was in a sense where it, it makes sense. Like the population of Canada is smaller than the population of California. So you want to talk about how like a company is going to spend marketing dollars and sponsor an athlete like if you're cool in canada it, it, you're not even cooler than someone who's cool in california and arizona like in, or, and phoenix like you know what i mean <laughs> like they're already cooler than you they already have a bigger following that like right so you're coming from being a big fish in a small pond and that's just something you should recognize and like that doesn't mean that you can't be like Again, one of the best anyone's ever seen, like on a global scale, right? Canada has produced those types of skaters. Paul Trapp, you know, fucking Spencer Hamilton. But still, right, it's, it's hard out there. So, you know, skate because you love skating first, you know? Because if, if you're just doing it because you think you're going to come up, then you're just fucking a clown anyways, and you ain't going to go anywhere, I'm sure, because people will realize <laughs> you're a clown. So skate because you want to fucking skate. If you are given opportunity, if you are on a trip in front of people, you know, it, it's such a careful game. You know, you can't you can't be the sickest dude there, but you better fucking be pretty goddamn sick. Like, you know, like be respectful to people fucking and skate hard. Like I said, I don't know. You know, I think a lot of really good skaters get small opportunities, too, and they might not realize how big of an opportunity that small opportunity was. For sure. I think sometimes the silver lining could be to uh, enjoy the whole ride, too. Exactly. Right? A lot of the time, you're grinding so that you can keep skating and keep going on the trips, and, and that's what you wanted in the end, right? Yeah, so like I said, like, you know what, as I'm like kind of like clowning, like even, you know, my, myself or like what someone look at, you would call myself like a skate career. Like I had a skate career, you know, like I lived fucking skateboarding. Just so the people know, because it's audio only Twa said career in quotations. I think basically if you want to chase it and you make it, that's great. But make sure you love skateboarding first because the last thing you want is to feel like you wasted time chasing something that didn't happen. Where it's more like, hey, I had a blast skating all these years. I didn't get to my own goal, but I wouldn't change it. You know, you don't want to have regret. So you better love skateboarding for real if you're going to go for it so that either way you're happy. It's so confusing to me. Like there's so many good skaters I know, right? Everyone knows them like amazing skaters and they actually just like stopped or something like stopped completely. And again, yeah. do whatever you want to do. You know, maybe they got into a different sport. Maybe they got into something else, but sometimes they didn't even really get into shit. They just like yeah. got so pissed off that they kind of didn't get there, you know, or something that. They say, oh, I got to grow up all of a sudden and, like, I can't skateboard anymore. And, like, <laughs> it, it surprises me, man. You know, it surprises me because for me, who who I just always fucking actually just love fucking skating so much, like, it's 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 something now I like more than ever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, um, I'm definitely not at my prime, like, you know, and I like it more than ever. So... It's, it's really your perspective on things. And I mean, people can have whatever perspective they want, right? It's their right, but shit, you know, like skateboarding don't owe you shit, you know? Straight up. Sometimes you get out of it what you put into it, man. And yeah. It's, 
everyone gets a little bit of a different hand in skating and like you said just enjoy it while it's there man mm -hmm. <clears throat> so let's fast forward a little bit after zoo york you're living at 1611 east now with the squad you don't have a high school diploma but you make the decision to go back to school what sparked that and how the hell did you get into how the hell did you get into college or university without a high school diploma so i'm living at 1611 east and i'm actually I'm, I'm just like you know making a little bit of money off skating and like i swear i'm pretty sure like dc you know quits paying me or something as an example like and i'm like fuck like okay like you know like that 500 bucks was like like helping me like you know so i get a job quick like as anyone would or i already had a job but i start working more and I'm working like I'm serving in a fucking restaurant or something, you know, because I have no mm -hmm. fucking education, which is fine. Um, and, and I have done so many jobs over the years in Vancouver, right? I've done carpentry. I've fucking laid cement. I've done landscaping in the fucking rain and fucking cut grass and pulled weeds in the fucking rain for eight hours a day. And at some point I was like, fuck, I can serve in a restaurant and at least like work inside and like not break my back, even though serving in a restaurant fucking sucks too. Right. So I'm serving in a restaurant and I'm like, this sucks. Like I don't want to keep serving in a restaurant. And at the same time, um, which is so interesting, like my friend Ben, um, who we have just talked about, like he had finished a marketing degree at SFU, right? At Simon Fraser University here in Vancouver. So like even in recent years, like while he was going to school, you know, like Ben and I used to like sit around friggin' drinking beers, doing whatever. And we'd always talk about, you know, just how funny skateboarding is, right? Cause it's not like anything else where like, you, you don't know like what company's like about to be dope or cool or like, you know, who's going to trend fucking next because it's just a friggin' gong show of like some, you know, weird popularity contest amongst ourselves. Like anyways. Right. So we were always talking about marketing and stuff like that and, and applying it to skateboarding and understanding again, the actual relationship that we had in the industry around us that I was talking about, you know, kind of like removing the veil from ourselves and and I just found that stuff like kind of interesting as well, right? And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go back to school and just like take some business courses and, and, you know, maybe learn about, you know, the concept of starting and marketing a brand, right? Things like that. Like from a professional level, how does, how does brand marketing work? Like how does this asshole at DC, or excuse me, <laughs> not DC, some skate company that has never skated run the fucking show you know like how, how do this how do these shitty campaigns come out like i can do better right i'm gonna i'm gonna learn what they learn professionally to get into this role it was kind of my mentality something like that to be honest uh, but i didn't even have a high school diploma so I had to challenge the GED, uh, which is like a general education diploma. Um, and I like studied this big textbook, like while I was in 1611 East, like for like a couple months while there was like parties going on in the living room. Like, you know what I mean? Like ragers going on in the <laughs> living room. And I challenged the GED and I got a high school diploma. I'm like 25 or 26 or something. And I start going to BCIT here and initially I was taking what was called um, like a marketing communications diploma 
it taught me how to get stuff done, like a lot of stuff done. Like it taught me how to focus and, and, and really grind on something outside of skateboarding. Um, and, and again, like going to business school is, is irrelevant, right? But like you can go to a trade school um, and, you know, there's there's lots of different ways to increase your ability to, you know, maybe better your life. Um, at least, at least financially and money is not fucking everything, but at least financially with some schooling, which is weird that like, like it's, it's really hard to break through a, a threshold of, uh, of a, a certain type of like earning or whatever with, without some of these stamps and certificates, whether it's a trade, mm-hmm. whether it's business, right? So I'm just saying I was at a point in my life where I wanted that stamp where I wanted to be able to quit fucking serving and understand who owns the restaurant, right? And, and again, I didn't want to own a restaurant, but that's where I was at. Like, I'm sick of landscaping. I should own yeah. the business. Like, you know, that these people aren't smarter than me that I'm working for. Mm-hmm. Bro, it sounds like you need to, to link up with Mikey Taylor and go work at Commune Capital. Is that what he does? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just got the kookiest Instagram in the game. Okay, so all I was going to say is that, so I was talking to this guy, Gary, and, you know, he was actually like, do you really want to work in skateboarding? And I was like, well, not really. Like, I just got out of school, you know, like, and he was like, because if you want to work in something else and you decide you don't like it, you could always come back to skateboarding. But if you if you just go into skateboarding, you know, you might pigeonhole yourself into doing something else. And I don't know whether he was right or not, but I took his advice at the time and I just started working in tech in Vancouver because that's just like, like Vancouver's kind of like some like northern Palo Alto shit. There's just tech companies everywhere, and they're pretty dope places to work. Real shit, yo. And you're a natural fit in sales. You could probably sell me anything. Just keep talking to the point where I'm like, let me sign the damn paper you get. <laughs> yo, man, in sales you gotta listen. This is this is the point, man. I came here to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Selling timeshares <laughs> at a resort, man, and people sign those papers to keep it moving. So, yo, fast forward a bit. You get the you get the dope job. You're fucking skating. You're balancing the two, killing it. I'm very proud of you. Just so you know, because uh, I mean, we've been in that group chat for so many years. From you saying, I remember when you told us you were going back to school. We were all like, "Fuck yeah!" Getting your diploma, fucking getting the job, and dude. Anyways, just crazy proud of you. Uh, but unfortunately, I think in 2018, you tore your ACL, age 31, huge bummer. Where was your head at uh, in terms of skating at that point? Because doing your ACL at that age, you know, not everyone's going to fucking fight back from that one. Yeah, man, I was pissed. I was so pissed, actually. I was pissed off at myself because I had been skating a lot, but... You know, I was 30, 31, and I probably hadn't made the right adjustments yet that you need to make as you get older if you want to keep skating. So I was pissed off at myself that it had come to that. Like, you know, that like, oh, I tore my ACL when I was out skating, like, and I don't know why it tore that day. Like, I don't know what exactly I wasn't doing, but I'm just saying I was living a bit of a different lifestyle at that time as you know people do when they're younger right so i was kind of pissed off at myself and just at that age you know like i i don't know i, I kind of assume like i would be 
very limited in being able to like actually skate again but fuck i don't know i i got a good surgeon and i, I was talking to other people around me that had all had acl surgeries and 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 the physio and and kind of like made probably even just a bunch of other changes that i felt like i had to make where i was like well if i want to skate like i don't want to skate you know a little bit like i want to skate at a level where i'm fucking hyped to be skating and like where i'm you know learning new shit and, and the best parts about skating right so um it was kind of like a big commitment when i had to come back that again like i had to make like some some big changes in in what i was doing of like you know going to yoga every day and and fucking doing physio all the time and skating all the time and still trying to manage my my job right like because i'm i'm working this job that um does does kind of have like some some different pressures from it too right because it's kind of a, a a more serious position but you know, I was I was just able to do that from a concept of kind of like, you know, well, the, these are the things that are important to me. And then that's just what I'm going to fucking do. Like, it was almost like, you know, every time someone's like, oh, like, you know, someone like someone in your family is like, oh, well, you're probably getting too old to be skating. And someone's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, it's bound to fucking happen. Like as a skater, like if, if you're really that like, you know, like me, like you're just like, what the fuck? Like, who do you think mm-hmm. you are? Mm-hmm. You know, like, of course, I'm going to fucking skate again like even better you know like what the fuck so that was kind of my mentality like you know i i kind of decided again like well if i'm gonna do this like i'm gonna really do it you know um or at least try so it was fucking it was weird though yeah it was weird starting to jump again and stuff like that so you're back on board now looking as good as ever which is a huge accomplishment major props on that you might have the most clips for the bunt video already and half the time you're skating in bunt clothes. So again, major props on that. How you feeling on the board these <laughs> days, man? Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm feeling fucking pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Definitely like, you know, as I was coming back, it was kind of sketchy and I got some bone spurs in my ankle like that are a bitch. You know, I'm 35 and I am by no means, you know, like keeping up with Spenny as he's like hucking downstairs and stuff like that. But, you know, like that's a homie I skate with every single day. So like when you see Spenny out there skating, like, you know, he he does push me to like want to jump down stuff. He gets me hyped um, t- to try to jump on a rail or something now and then. And and I'm I'm still trying to do that. You know, um, when I skate something like that. I think I look at it differently than when I used to, you know, like, yeah. I, am I feeling good that day? You know, is that trick working for me? Mm-hmm. You know, do I want this trick? Right. Like I think about things before I film them now, but I'm out skating every day, uh, which is something that is even almost more important to me sometimes than filming the trick. You know what I mean? Like if I'm out having like the best fucking session with the homies, like, do I even want to try to film something sometimes? Cause like, the session itself is just so fucking fun, you know? So sometimes like I would actually just pick skating all the time out with the homies and maybe just trying to grind over one trick these days. But I'm feeling really good on the board and my knee uh, seems, you know, like a hundred percent. Bro, that's what's up, man. I know I've told you this before, but it just definitely warmed my heart seeing you fucking get those first clips back. Your T Fox shit when you first got back in Plaza stuff. Uh, it's great to see you shredding 
hard as ever these days at 35 yo 35 is like the new 28 man something like that <laughs> oh yeah something yeah something fucked up or it's like hmm. you know the new 40 fucking <laughs> 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 homies keep talking about videos i keep asking if we're gonna call that shit mid-30s and shit like but (laughs) so as you know we like to go behind the scenes on certain tricks from our guests uh first one up is your gap switchback tail at new spot man give us a little rundown on how that trick came about oh yo you know what's funny is um some kid that fuck i can't remember his last name some kid had just back tailed it in like a line where he like ollied up onto the ledge and backtailed it. And me and JD, James Dylan Robinson, if any dinosaurs in Canada know who that is, um, we're walking by it. And he was like, that's so fucked. Like, you know, that's crazy. He did that. And I was like, I'm a fucking switch back tail that shit. Like, and I swear I was kidding, like, or something probably. And JD was like, there's no way you could do that. If you did that, yeah. that would be the shit. Like, there's no way you could do that. Because you can't even really push on the ledge switch. Like, if you actually think about it, like, it, it's pretty awkward to skate switch. Like, unless you were going to, like, I can't ollie up onto that ledge switch. So you had to start on it. And, like, where you'd push, like, there's no ledge, right? <laughs> so, anyways, fucking, he challenged me on some shit. And I was like... I couldn't even, like, be- I remember being, like, so annoyed with him. Like, I did it, like, a fucking couple days later like i was so annoyed that he didn't think i could do it i was just like okay yeah i'm gonna go switch back to all that ledge and i went there with a filmer and actually the first day i I tried it and i did pop into like a switch back lip like and uh on like the 10th try and and i stopped because it like kind of tweaked something you know and i went back like two days later and, and did it quite quickly Bro, that was one of those Damn. ones where it was the first time I went to Vancouver and, you know, you're getting the tour. And then I forget who pointed it out to me, Mitch or, or Ty or something like, oh, that's the gap to ledge to switch back tail. And I was like, what? Like that, that one is fucking, that's crazy. Can't believe Props it. to you on that one. Yeah, you can't skate it anymore, which is too bad, actually. There's like a rail on it now, which is too bad. Like, just because some, like, there was some other tricks that could go down, you know, but. Um, uh, well, now it's your ledge forever. You now it's it mine, down. yeah. Dies with the dinosaurs. <laughs> Take us behind the scenes on your switch flip back 5 0, front shove out in the middle, possibly an NBD at the time. The fuck was that one, man? At the basketball court. You know what? Th- that one was kind of weird because I- I've done that trick like a bunch like at the skate park and shit, like on metal ledges. And like when I do it, it's usually like pretty balanced. It's usually pretty balanced. And like what was weird about that one is it's like kind of like tail pressed, but like yeah. I still like it's it's not even like tail pressed like straight really. Like it's almost like a little crooked back 5-0, you know, on, like, some switch Suski shit or something, I don't even know. But, like, then I still switch front shoved out, like, so I remember watching the clip and, like, almost, like, not being sure if I liked it, but, like, not wanting to do it again, because <laughs> I was just, like, happy, like, I don't know, like, I was, like, I don't know what's wrong with it, but, like, I'm kind of over it, like, whatever, like, 
I did it, you know, like that that was a good clip. Like so Nothing was wrong with it, man. That shit <laughs> so next level. That's not even a dream trick cuz I can't like I know I don't have the skill to do that. That's like one of those like I would expect PJ Ladd or someone to do it, you know. That that was mind-boggling. Respect. That's some Hall of Fame shit. Thanks. Um, another one, not that we're going to go behind the scenes on, but just an honorary mention is your front five zero across the the double set rail in the Zoo York part that just kind of like goes by in the middle, the round bar. Just a little quick uh, rail knowledge. That shit was insane, man. Yo, that's that spot's in Miami. They, no, we're um, not going behind the scenes on it. That spot's in Miami. <laughs> Shout oh. out. Yeah, just an honorary mention. Okay, <laughs> the one we have to talk about is uh, your 50-50 kickflip, the big old black rail. Uh, what possessed you to want to flip out of that? Uh, that shit was insane, man. It, it had been 50 like a long-ass time ago, and I, I don't know why, but like I ended up skating the rail like three times in like a week, okay? So like I went there with Trap, <laughs> And like nobody probably knows this, but the rail has like two feet of run up. Okay, so like mm-hmm. you really can't do much, but the rail itself is like quite long and mellow. But I went through a trap and he crooked it, and I did a bunch of like fifty fifty back one eighty outs, you know. And then I ended up there like mm-hmm. two days later with somebody else that like uh, I think AJ McAllister wanted to smith it or something like that. So fucking. I went there again two days later with somebody else and did the 50-50 kickflip just because I was like, well, like, I don't know what else to do. Like, like kind of, you know what I mean? Like, and it's it's really fun to 50 if you like 50-ing round bars, you know? Like, you kind of just one push at it, hop on, and, like, it's just that nice type of slant, right? So I did the 50-50 kickflip, and then I actually was like, oh, shit, like, I need to shoot this. And I went back the next day and did it again for the sequence. The footage and the sequence were two different days. Man's out here thinking he's McCrank, eh? Because you had to get that photo. It didn't even matter about the footage, right? I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) We get kicked off some distribution if I don't get a sequence of this fucking shit. Whoever's in charge at the distro at the time is going to kick me off. (laughs) I fucking had to go get a sequence quick. A little story time with Twa. Can you tell us about the time? Oh, yeah. Mitch is like, I thought Kevin Wu was Ian Twa, so when I met him in person, I was surprised to see that he was white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitch thought I was Asian. Yeah. He was like, no, he, he was talking to Spenny, though, like, and, and Spenny was like, yo, like, you're going to like Twa. Like, you're both on DC. Like, you're going to like Twa. He likes to fucking party and shit. And, and he was like, yeah, he's sick. Like, kickback tail 270 or something you know mitch and spenny was like huh like i don't think so and he's like yo that asian kid right and spenny goes yo man he's 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 not asian he's a white kid and mitch is like yo you sure he's not half (laughs) (laughs) and spenny's like b like he's fucking like you know not not like i He's fucking just a white kid. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like he's not half anything. He's like, and and Mitch was like, oh okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh shit, oh, Mitch. That's what's up, Deggy. Oh. So what's next for Ian Twa, man? I don't know, man. Fuck. I've been out, been out skating a lot. Been filming some shit. Actually, been filming some shit with Mitch, uh, Michelle Barrett lately, who who just got like a VX set up, and he's just recovering from. 
a quick shoulder surgery, which is dope because he's down to film a lot. So I've actually been filming with him, trying to stack some clips, hopefully for a video that, you know, you guys might put out in 2030. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if we're lucky, dog, if we're lucky. Uh, I don't know, you know, maybe stack some clips for something else. Like I said, like, I don't really give a shit about about filming stuff too much, but it's still nice to go out and, and do something like in the streets that's, that's pushing it for you. And, and then maybe it's worth filming, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just like really enjoying skating. You know, I live a couple blocks from the plaza and I moved this here on purpose. So like, I love it. Yeah, man. I'm just hyped to fucking skate with the boys this summer. And if fucking you can ever travel again, you know I'm coming to Toronto, right? Oh, don't even start with me. Let's go. Donald, Twa's been claiming visiting for like eight years straight, or I don't know how long now. At but least eight years. <laughs> He's always like, I'm well, coming. Say, you got the nice pad now. Yeah. Safe has got the nice pad now. You have your own room over there. You uh, Now's the time to come. I got a room for you, dog. Let's get well, it. Well, don't come to Ontario now. Don't come yeah. to Ontario right now, but yeah. if fucking, Maybe in a bit, dog. If the world gets its situation under fucking yeah, some like sort of control. seems like the world is doing all right, but Ontario is just... Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah, it's just Canada blowing it. Yeah, we're a mess. Yo, yo, yo. It's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, brought to you by the one and only Dickies. We talk in the original 874 work pants. The world's best-selling work pant, a durable utility pant that gets the job done. When I'm struggling to learn a new trick, like nollie flip front nose and fail, <laughs> you know how I get down, run home, throw on the 874 work pant, roll right back to that ledge, and it's bolts, baby. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know we getting the job done. Dickies, man. <laughs> All right, y'all, it's that time. Tweeze, you ready? Rapid fire, baby. You only ask like four questions. It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite skater? <laughs> Dickhead. Tom Penny. Oh. Favorite video? Flip. Really sorry. Ah, Whoa. anthology. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite video part? Ronnie Krieger anthology. Favorite style? LeVar McBride. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Brian Wenning. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Travis Stanger. Favorite trick? Tray flip. Hardest trick for you? Flipping out of crooked anything. Uh, you don't need that shit anyways. Most illegal trick? Pressure, grab, everything. <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Yeah, I heard you be. Uh, backside flip into the yellow bank in Barcelona. Worst trend you've ever been a part of? Wade D t-shirts. <laughs> Ghetto gowns. <laughs> Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Everything Crawley used to do. No doubt. What's the one trick that got away? So many. So many. That's my answer. Oh, what? <laughs> you, you don't have one in mind? Nolly Crook, the post office rail that you willied. Oh, fuck you, Saifa. Yeah, that one got away because the rail's gone and shit. Nolly Crook, yeah. Fuck. 
biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? You switch pop shoving the kook rail. Whoa, yo! Yo, that's fair disrespect, and you know that wasn't a bunt, dog. And, yo, I'm coming to do it this summer, man. That shit. Did he try and land on it once? Yeah, my I cracked my board once, and then the one I went for, like, full commitment, my tail just exploded off. But, like, I would have landed it if my board was proper. He conveniently pre-cracked his board before he went for it. Yo, honestly... I, I hate that I have two unlanded photos and I plan on landing both of them for the bunt video straight the fuck up. Th that's a that's a good move. Last new trick you learned. Fakey switchback tail front shove or whatever oh. the fuck that is. Half cab no oh. side front shove. Hell yeah. Oh, that's sick. Text me a trick tip. Dream job after skating. <laughs> <laughs> Dream job after skating. Dream job is skating. Oh. Good. Yeah, after skating, fool. Donald, don't don't give him that. Oh, that didn't even make sense. <laughs> no, that's a good one. He's yes, already, it did. He's working. Yes, it did. I'm already fucking working, like, man. <laughs> he's True. got the job. Makes sense, Safe. I don't don't clown. That don't make sense. Dream job. Well, because usually we're asking pros that like make a living off skating. I like Fine. that one. Have it your way. Yeah, I'm with that one. Yeah, my dream job is skating. Yeah, but the, there's a key word. It's after. <laughs> Favorite local <laughs> brand. <laughs> Grand. Hell yeah. Shout out Ben. Big Ben. Favorite local skater. Spencer Hamilton. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? I don't know. Maybe like G-Shock watches or something's kind of cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> but I used, to, I used to slang those watches and go on trips. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite teammate ever Michelle Barrett Hell yeah Worst teammate ever Mikey Scott <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Worst company Kitsch oh, 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 oh. Damn oh. Oh. I did not see that coming Shit! Interprovince. Uh, <laughs> I like Dermer. Oh fuck! <laughs> I like Dermer. He's backtracking. <laughs> Worst trend. Short shorts. Yep. Worst style. Cody McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh. Last person you want on the sesh? Aaron Rosenblatt. Oh! Damn. <laughs> Why? What's, what's the deal? <laughs> I don't know. I just live with him. And he used to freak out on sessions filming for Modern Love and Supper's Ready. It was a, he was a fucking nightmare. He used to come home and he used to fucking throw his board and scream and cry and come home and fucking break plates. He was a little bitch. Oh! Back th back then, anyways, we didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Damn, I never would have thought of him like that. He just seemed like he just seemed like the homie with the ill, unique style, nollie front healing shit. <laughs> All right, dog. That's gonna wrap up the interview. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Fuck. Thank you for having me. Long overdue. I think we got through at least two or three questions there. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know it's all love, brother. Can't wait to see you again. Fucking when this stupid pandemic shit chills the fuck out, you dig? Yeah, man. Definitely. Welcome to the post office brought to you by Dickies. Quality workwear since 1922. From the work site to the streets, ain't nobody got you looking as fresh as Dickies. All right, Ghost, who we got up first? You've got mail. What up, Bunt Gang? It's Mac from Cleveland. I actually ran into you guys at Lakewood Park when you were in town. I remember hearing Donald say Cleveland has some of the best spots he skated in an old episode, and I was shook. My question for you guys is, what are what are three spots in Cleveland that aren't dick water? <laughs> Thanks, yo. Keep the barn burners coming. Uh, I never skated street in Cleveland, so this is all you, Dono. I don't know. what's the Where's the non-dick water, man? So your favorite spot would be Lakewood Skate Park because that shit was fire. Um, I actually got my first and one of two photos ever run in Cleveland. Shout out to the homies I was on that trip with. There was a little... Um, I, this would be my favorite spot in Cleveland for sure, just because of that. It was a little like curb cut to a wall ledge. Got a little 5-0 popping on that. Damn, did I actually say that they were some of my favorite, my, some of the best spots? <laughs> I just may have been just hyped to be back in Cleveland, man. But let me try and think of two other spots. Uh, I think going to be easy, though. You're for sure too hyped up, not thinking that anyone would ever call you out. <laughs> Uh, my second favorite spot is Raising Cane's, the chicken spot. I think I got like the five-piece tender meal. That shit was dope. <laughs> and then the last spot was the Cleveland Brown Stadium, man. We had a hell of a day there. So I don't even remember the names of the street spots, so it's hard to hard to say. But number one is definitely the place I got the photo, man. Shouts to Cleveland. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, we got an email from Mike D. The kickflip into backside grinds is pretty standard and obviously looks dope, but the heel flip into frontside grinds is weird. My question is, does heel flip frontside grind seem off because we don't typically see it, or is it just inherently whack? Opinions? Keep doing the Lord's work, boys. Mike D. P.S. Let's get that online store popping with some bunt and Ebbetsfield flannels gear. You feel me. Damn, that would be a collab of the century. We definitely gonna make that happen, Mike. It's in the works, baby. It's in the works. Um, heel flip frontside grind. I actually saw our boy Justin Henry post uh, heel flip front 50, I think it was, in like a line at that... Uh, I don't think it was a DIY, but remember for a little while he was skating that like covered spot with all the wooden obstacles yeah yeah i mean that's a seriously stylish skater right there and he did it and i still thought it looked weird so <laughs> i'm gonna have to say that's a no-go with the heel flip like what i mean could heel flip front nose grind look good i don't even know man what that's the only one that or like heel flip front maybe. crook would be crazy probably yeah heel flip front crook's fine heel flip front nose and he'll put front nose grind i've seen matt canadian do it obviously true he can make it, it look cool but, but he'll flip front 5-0 he'll flip 
front 50, heel flip, front lip, heel flip, front Smith, all that shit. Heel that's front board. No-go. Oh, that's not grand. Um, what about switch heel, switch 5-0? Because Trep has done those before. And they look dope. Oh, all day, dude. Switch heel front crook, switch heel front nose grind pop out. Trep does those. Switch heel front 5-0s are tight. Switch heel front tails. Uh, he's saying grinds those, not slides, I guess. So essentially the ones that we don't like are heel flip, front 50, heel flip front 5-0, and heel flip front smith. Yeah. Everything else is I, which leaves like two tricks. Yeah, if yeah. you're figuring out a way to do a clean heel flip front nose grind, that's cool. But front crook is is dope. But yeah, we're mostly on the same page with you, bruv. All right, next up, we got an email from Steve Pickin, a.k.a. Steve Chicken. Hi, Seifa and Donald. I'd like to uh, preface my question by noting our mutual connections and shared skate history. I'm from Cornwall and grew up skating with Will Marshall and Jay Burroughs and spent a decent time in Ottawa with Mitch B and crew in the late 2000s. So your interviews and little jabs, mentions and jokes have brought me a lot of joy after sleeping on the bunt and diving in during this pandemic. We worship Morgan's part in Switch 2. Does this exist on the internet? I'm sure that that's what it was called. Love Ryan Blacksell and Daryl Smith's Rest in Peace part, which says Switch 1 on YouTube, but I'm sure that is false. If there was a Switch 1, I don't know, and our shop in Cornwall, RIP, got environment and watched the fuck out of that too. I just rewatched Seifa's part <laughs> in the environment video and forgot that Seifa shared a part with Sully. Coincidentally, I ended up living with Matt Sullivan in Kingston when he did his oh. stint there in college back in 2010. Dude. And he was hilariously and frankly a nightmare roommate. Too much weed, partying, cigarette bongs in the house and always wearing joggers and being a pile. He ceremoniously <laughs> blessed us with Benny Hanna's the rare times he skated with us. If you guys still keep in touch with Matt, I hope he's well, because I haven't seen him since. To the actual Dude. question for the bunt. Yeah, yeah let's shout, shout out Matt real quick. He's doing well. He's got a beautiful little son. Matt Jr. You can't forget him. Yeah, Matt Jr. doing it big. And, yo, that fool just posted some back nose blunts at Markham Park the other day in his story. Still as good as ever. One of the most, like, underrated, like, dope skaters. To come out of our neck of the woods and just because you mentioned it he was wearing joggers in the skate clip that he posted of <laughs> course hard to find matt sullivan outside of track pants but um yeah i remember hearing stories about him in kingston and uh the type of roommate he was i think he got booted from that house i'm not sure how that went down i love that it was like that he skated with them once in a while <laughs> like he was too cool or something just like blessed a benny he was for the, just too turned the man. crew <laughs> Like, can you imagine Sully just living out somewhere and, like, no worries in the world? You know what that guy's like when he parties, man. Yeah, it's game over. Bunt gang, first of all, I'd like to thank your crew for de- developing the no-tick game of skate, which we had followed and practiced in our prime and quickly dropped as we exited into our adult lives. Morgan's idea, question mark. He destroyed me back when. My question, though, why is it so rare for skaters to have post-secondary education? We have cases such as Mark Suchu and Walker Ryan, but in almost all skateboarder circles, we have dudes on the struggle, whether pro or to the local crew, either hustling gear or working in kitchens and or construction. 
Many stories of the pros are awash with struggle. Why? While laboring either in a kitchen, worksite, or warehouse for most of my friends, my wife found this a bizarre trait, trend, within my friend group, which exclusively includes skateboarders, whereas fortunately for us, we've gone to the professional careers in education and engineering. It almost seems as though there is a class divide between the types of humans who would become a skateboarder and the everyday middle-class person who gets sent to university. Do the kids taking advanced classes just don't pursue skating once high school is done? Or is it something people on the struggle are pulled towards and follow through? Love the pod and should have got onto it years ago when Burles recommended it. My evening drunk ass afterthoughts, Steve. Dude, obviously Steve didn't get your memo about the short emails, but we uh, <laughs> we loved it anyways. Steve, thank you for the email. Thank you for listening into the pod. It's got to be cool when you do have some sort of connection to us because we reference our friends as if everybody knows them. Yeah. And clearly they don't, but for guys like Steve, it works out just great. You know, I think it is like a weird time in, in a skateboarder's life when they exit high school. You're kind of like in your prime years of skating, right? You couldn't be more in love with skating. So I don't think it's that odd for people to not go to university or college because this is their time to skate, man. They finally have the freedom. They're done high school. They can, you know, go live in a skate house, go have some roommates or just just to have the freedom. I'm not sure there's uh, an exact answer to that. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough one. I think, yeah, you said it well, man. Like, like for me, you know, I had zero interest in high school. Like, I barely went to school in grade 12. And I was just skipping to go skate with Warren every fucking opportunity I could. And he was done high school and just skating and just doing this and that, you know, like, kind of like you said a bunch of our friends all worked in kitchens and you know serving at restaurants etc construction um and i think it it just has to do with <laughs> the more addicted you get to skating the less you're thinking about going to university and then like the ones that do it's like they'll have some strict parents or something where it's like there's no way you're not going because if it's left to a skater who's progressing and in love with skating they're not necessarily going to want to go right away i only went because i was waiting for ankle surgery i couldn't skate for over a year and because of that i hung out with you guys like donald and my crew a little less because it was kind of depressing to hang out with everyone when they were skating when i knew i couldn't skate for a year so i started hanging out with my high school crew again and they were all in university first year and i was partying with them and shit and i was like you know what this seems aight and then me and donald went back and finished our grade 12 or like we finished but we went to upgrade our marks so that we could get into a college or university and and that's that's the only reason i did it was an injury so i don't know man but i don't think it's some like devastating divide you know sometimes skaters you know end up not in the best situations but that's just anyone who's not motivated to better themselves it's not specific to skateboarding i don't think because uh, we have tons of friends who didn't go to university or college who were in our crew who are doing amazing in life you know it's just it's just about what, what do you want and that's just unique to every single person not if you're a skater or not 
Oh, and about the Switch video, there only is Switch Volume 1. Uh, you're tripping, Mr. Chikan. So, you can probably... I don't know if Morgan's part from Switch is on YouTube, uh, but yeah, good luck trying to find it. But yeah, there was only ever Switch Volume 1. Alright, next up, we got an email from Cheeseburger Chad. Have you guys ever recorded an interview but never used it? Either because it was boring or you guys went too far with the question and the guest hung up on you. There's three interviews that we've done that didn't come out and I fucking wish they could. There's three and then a start of a four. Well, there's like two full ones that didn't come out. One that's like 90% done and then one that is like 5% done. So the first one ever was uh, Zared Bassett. Yeah. And yeah. it just wasn't like we we became like, or I don't want to say we became close, but like we met him a few times after the fact. And I feel like if we did it again now, it'd be way more chill. Which we would love to. I would love to do. Yeah. To get Dr. Z on the pod. Actually, there's five. There's a whole other one too. And then after that, there was Anthony Mosley, who's one of the best interviews we ever did one of the funniest of all time me and dono like that was one of the hardest we ever laughed and then unfortunately like he never sent us his audio from the rapid fire which was like so funny and then he ended up wanting to redo the whole thing and it just became a nightmare he was using a friend's phone the friend didn't want to send the audio it was a goddamn catastrophe let me tell you but we still have yeah maybe one day if he gives us permission we'll put out the part as like some bonus or something because that shit was crazy funny and insightful uh, another one then we have a raymond molinar oh, interview yeah that one's a polished, ready to go absolutely perfect interview just waiting so uh if you know raymond tell him to let us post it yeah if you know raymond let's start the campaign i think he got a little too in his own head about it tried to tell him you know the people are gonna love it it was really funny it was really really dope interview really enjoyed it and he's seems like a really great guy so if you're friends with them tell him to give it another whirl and maybe one day it'll come out mm -hmm. then there's a jake donnelly interview oh yeah that one was insane we did the whole interview with jake donnelly i think if you know jake he's a fucking character and uh i just feel like he wasn't in the storytelling mood so it didn't really work out how good it could have he just gave us like some really short answers and it just wouldn't be wouldn't have been a great pod you know but it's done maybe we'll do try it again with him another day i think him and his girl were watching friends at the time and he was just a little uh, <laughs> distracted yeah and then there's about five minutes of a yaje pops an interview and then he was like oh i'm too what did he say i'm too baked or he was too drunk or something he was definitely too yeah he's too stoned yeah, and then he's he like can we do this can we finish this later and then we just never got back to it you know it's always a very concerning thing for me when i were interviewing someone and i see them start to smoke weed because <laughs> it can it can go one of two ways you can be like kyle wilson and you can be blazing the whole interview and not be affected you know? yeah like just absolutely not a worry in the world just chilling and then someone like yajay where you know just 
flick of the wrist and your whole life has changed and you don't want to do it anymore. So <laughs> I'm always, whenever that happens, I'm always a little nervous and that one bit us in the ass. But yeah, Jay, maybe we'll get that popping again one day. For sure. So yeah, damn. When I read this email, I was like, oh, I think there's only one. And I thought immediately of the Zared one. But I guess there are a bunch. Yeah. Um. But back to the point. If you're friends with Raymond Molinar, this is a hilarious interview. So just tell him to listen to the audio one more time or let you listen to it as his friend give him a shove in the right direction for sure bro that's like half a season almost of interviews that we haven't put out man maybe for season 14 or whatever number we're at we'll just get to fucking chill for half the season and put out some old stuff that would be great man. dude the anthony mosley one is literally like i think we were crying laughing <laughs> remember the one quote where he said uh never wary instead of february yeah yeah, when when he asked for bunk gear, and we were like, "Yeah, we'll get on that." He's like, "Oh, February." <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got an email from Philip Richer. What up, bunk gang? Take us behind the scenes on your reactions when you guys first saw Morgan Smith's part in the blind video. That video part is a timeless work of art in my book. Thanks for making Wednesdays that much better. Peace. So this is the second week in a row that. Philip Richter, it looks like, has come on the pod. And you don't, you just leave the T out of his name both times, man. What's the, what's the deal with that? Oh, my bad. Some respect on Phil's name. Richter? <laughs> Richter? I think it's Richter. Yeah, that makes more yeah. sense. When that video came out, when I first saw that, I think there was a big premiere here. Uh, I was mind blown. Had you know, been. Morgan's one of our brothers. He edits our Instagram shit. Fun fact, in case we haven't already said that before and he's just an absolute beast that's my favorite part he's ever put out he got the dope nas track i watched that part countless times and that was when we were all just skate ratting hard man and so it was really good to see one of you know one of our own well actually from the crew from our like inner circle that we grew up with he's the only one who fucking went down south and did the pro thing so that was very special uh, I can't take you behind the scenes. I don't remember how the fuck I was reacting at the time, but I know that that part left mm -hmm. a lasting impression, and it's one of my favorite parts to this day. I feel like it gave us like a super proud feeling as a skater. For sure. Like, this is our guy, you know? Like, the world is seeing what he's capable of, but like, we've seen this shit since Maine Underground and Earl Hag. Like, we knew we had a sleeping giant yeah. on our hands, you know? Yeah, he was ahead of the game and kind of like at his peak and at the time in skateboarding he I, I think he was honestly one of the most talented skateboarders in the world uh if he had some he was doing it on different yeah levels. if he had some different sponsors maybe he would have been you know more in the limelight but uh that part you know was just epic for the time and i remember he told me that p-rod at the barracks was like yo like respect on that part and then i was like proud just hearing that you know what i mean obviously he was stoked hearing it himself but like i felt like that was a very well put together part he skated some huge rails he frontboarded an 18 he ollied an 18 <laughs> uh but then obviously he's tech as fuck you know he's doing his classic lead shit and i loved how he did that one line kick front feeble back 180 
casually on a flat bar to start a line like so random and then yeah. switch backside flip manny 180 like he was just hitting on all cylinders and um mad respect to the smith for that one all right next up we got an email from jeffrey kolominski fucking post office legend right here <laughs> hey guys it's been a long time since i've written in rest assured i've stayed listening love what you guys have created these past few years some of your Toronto talk jogged my memory, but here's a little backstory. Apologies, Seifa. Oh. Back when I was about 15 and had just started to pick up skating, I somehow landed a job working as a summer camp counselor at Cummer Community Center. In retrospect, I had no business being a skate <laughs> counselor. I actually learned to kickflip while on the job. And the campers were only a few years younger than me, 12 at the oldest. I think I just got lucky that the campers were even more fresh to skating than I was. Anyways, there were two other guys a bit older than me who were incredible and worked as my co-counselors. I know one of them was named Justin Chung and his friend was a guy named Max. Curious if you guys ever crossed paths. Justin had incredible consistency on flat ground and could throw out any trick at any given time and Max had a solid rail game. I was always in awe of those guys back then. They also mentioned Morgan Smith, who I obviously later found out about, but I guess he must have been coming up around that time. Would love to hear a story about you guys skating back then, if it was a thing. Cheers, Jeffrey Kolominski. P.S. Thought I would also massage your egos a little bit in saying that I love the content you guys put out. I think what makes this podcast unique is that you don't really work within the industry, and I think that makes interviews feel a bit more raw or real. Anyways, I hope to see you guys out at Dumbat at some point in time. I'm currently living and working in the U.S. though, so it might be a while. Stay healthy and hope Canada is able to pump out some vaccines soon. Justin Chung and Max definitely, definitely skated with these guys a lot when we were younger, whether it was Warden Park, Cummer Park, uh, the OG Loft Park. Would always see these guys around. Even Shred Central. Max was known for uh, his hang 10 yeah. grinds. Guy would drop those on any rail. You name it, the rail wasn't ready for it. And uh, he was actually a big part in two of our best friends, Jacob and Jesse, owning a drift skate shop. I think Max was there when they first took over and was uh, a real big help in that transition as well. So uh, definitely have a lot of memories with those guys. Still see Justin Chung around every now and then. Uh, Max, not so much, but definitely know those guys from our childhood. Um, I don't think I really have a... A story about skating with them but maybe we have a story from cummer park i don't know you have a story from cummer park mm, nah just you know oh i guess i could tell the cody story <laughs> yeah let's so hear. this was the summer that me and dono met actually it wasn't the summer that we became friends but it was the summer that at least <laughs> i became aware of him like i don't know if they like so Back in the day, it was me and my best friend, Phil Mendelssohn, started skating together, grade seven. And so that summer, we're fucking, you know, just going to Cummer and doing all that stuff. And we bump into Donovan, Cody Brown, and Tommy Tereshin. And Cody, notorious bully and asshole. <laughs> he, uh, backstory to that, he always tries to... He loves finding stories from people back in the day where I was a dick and then I do the same to him. 
because I always tell Cody he's a dick and then he's like no well this guy said you were a dick to him and I'm like no I'm nice you're not so me and Phil are chilling and there's a wasp flying around and then Cody's doing no slide nollie flips on the rail when before me and Phil could even board slide it like he was way better than us so there was a huge crowd around Cody trying to no slide nollie flip this rail and then like so he was kind of like this celebrity of the day and then like later like we were like kind of close to him just like peeping him and then a wasp starts flying around and it starts flying around Cody's head and then Phil for some reason thought it was a smart good idea to laugh and then Cody being the dick that he is he was like what like he was so pissed and then the, the wasp flew from Cody's head over to Phil and then Phil like kind of like tried to wave his hand and like blow it away and then Cody's like you think it's fucking funny now the wasp is around you now <laughs> And oh yeah, he's like, you think it's funny? The wasp is around you now. <laughs> but yeah, oh my god, that was our first interaction with you guys. And then I don't remember when we became friends. I'm assuming it was like that winter at when we were forced into close quarters at Shred, because I just remember that summer just seeing you guys once in a while, like Cummer Park, CBC, Bay and Wellesley. Crying a little bit. Yeah, see you guys around, but I don't think we became friends till we were like forced into um, an indoor, a small indoor skate park together for months. That was the first time we met, eh? I, I, I thought it was at uh, Bay and Wellesley, which would mean like a shred. Yeah, no, the first time I remember seeing you guys was for sure at Cummer, I believe. Well, it was Bay and Wellesley, Cummer, or CBC. One of the three, but like we we weren't really like you know we hadn't exchanged home phone numbers or anything like that at that point. <laughs> Dude, Phil and Cody obviously had one of the all-time great <laughs> friendships. bunch of bunch of good stories from their friendship. yeah. And then yeah, Max. One quick thing about Max that shred. I was always in awe because he would do crooked grind across and down the rail at shred and nose grinds. Uh, beast. Oh, that's good. Yeah, thanks for taking us down memory lane. And if you ever see us at Dunbat, of course, come say what up. Stay safe down south. Yeah, let's get a yeah. bite, man. All right. Uh, next one is Jeremiah Aubrey. All right. Next up, we got an email from Jeremiah Aubrey. Yo, just listen to the new Tommy Sandoval episode. One of you claimed Tommy had never had Ender in a Zero video, but that's not actually entirely true. The Cold War video had a unique release where the iTunes and the disc versions had different enders. Sandoval had enders in the iTunes version with Berman as second to last, while the more known disc version, which obviously is the more valid release, was vice versa, with Sandoval second to last and Berman with the ender. I had both versions and I feel like many never knew this, nor is it something other videos have ever done to my knowledge. I, I believe both parts were deserving of Ender, which is why Jamie probably chose to do this. Tommy was probably too humble to mention it in his interview, or decided it was too whack to bring it up, or maybe he doesn't count it for himself. Either way, definitely a fun skate video fact and lesser known trivia. Uh, my only question is, who the, why the hell did you buy it on iTunes and buy the DVD? You must be a big Zero fan and shouts to you for supporting the brand, but that's just weird. <laughs> Fucking hell, the guy took the time to write that email and give us the info. Either way, I'm not counting the Ender. Yeah, me neither. Bro. No, Don't me neither, man. 
Come on now. Scratch that shit, Jeremiah. Come on, bro. All right. Next up, we got an email from Simon Walfist. Which skater is the best at getting away with illegal tricks? I'll go. First one that comes to mind is Mark Appleyard because he does very few and everyone's going to give Appleyard a pass because he's Appleyard. So the people that get away with it are like the bigger the legend, the more you turn to blind eye. So like I know that when Appleyard's done a couple 5-0 switch crookses over the years, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's Appleyard, you know, he's a fucking skateboarding god, so it's excused. I was going to say, like, probably Guy Mariano. People <laughs> yeah, that's pass a good one. it off as, like, uh, evolution. And it's, like, evolution in the complete wrong direction. Extremely unnecessary. So, maybe him. Or, like, people really love Tori Pudwell. And he does, like, he's got some of the worst two-for-ones ever done. But also, like, so much raw skill and pop, so... Yeah, he's a straight beast. Like, he'll nollie half cap flip, sack triple, but then he'll do like kick flip, back lip, kick flip to back lip again. And you're just like, uh. And the second back lip is like a stall. You're just like, what <laughs> did I just watch? But then yeah, he's he also done that like back tail that I don't even know if it's real or not. Still. Yeah. You know, the one that looks fake. Yeah, no, it is real. That was insane. How do you know it's like, it, it could be fake? I think that's a huge compliment that you're still questioning it. And maybe, hey, maybe you're right, but I think it's real. Uh, I just that's remembered another and then trick. He did, he's just like so next level. He did that. There's like that huge uh, rail into the bank that Sean Pablo did front blunt. You know that one? It's like a transfer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this guy just did front blunt kickflip, like completely just blew Pablo out of the water. Like the skill. If he didn't have to worry about his damn Red Bull two half the time, <laughs> he'd probably be even better. Yeah. yeah. Hey, stack that paper, boy. Um, I just remembered. Let's get Pablo. Let's get uh, Pudwell on the pod. Yeah, dude. I met him fucking one time. He's super, super nice. He uh Grizzly Grip Tape, man. This fucking CEO. He bought a round of drinks for the boys at fucking what's that club called in Niagara Falls? You saw him in Niagara Falls? Yeah, remember when there was that contest there? Oh yeah. yeah. It's uh Dragonfly. No, okay, it, was, it wasn't Dragonfly, it was another one of the like main ones, but he, he grabbed a round for me, OPEC, and Rumors? like someone else. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. But super nice dude. But he does cab back lips to back tail kick flips. So, you know, teach their own. All right, next up, we got a voice note from Michael Moray. Let's take a listen. What's up, Bump Boys? Huge fan of the show. Just had a quick question for you guys. I was wondering if there's ever been anyone who's hit you guys up about being on the show, or perhaps maybe their team manager or one of their companies hit you up like, oh, you guys should get this guy on your show that you've had to turn down for one reason or another seems like there could be some interesting story there if it's ever happened thanks so much for the podcast you guys it's one of my favorite things to listen to keep up the great work and can't wait to see all the and hear all the things that you guys have in store take care that is a really good question michael thank you for the voice note um definitely has happened in the past we've got some emails maybe some dms with some offers to have some guys come on the pod and for whatever reason, Safa doesn't like them. Safa blacklists them. 
Seifa absolutely says no way. Uh, those are usually the reasons why they don't come on. <laughs> yeah, I ain't even gonna deny that still. Oh shit! Do you want to name one name? Should we give him one name? No, no, it's too cold. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, we got an email from Chris Ashton. What's up, Bunt? Big fan of the pod. Absolutely love the rapid fire segment, which leads me to my questions. I've noticed that when asked the question "worst teammate ever," sometimes the person being interviewed doesn't explain why. Was there a time that you wanted to know the answer but didn't push the topic? If so, who would you most like to hear about? Do you often have to edit out the explanation? And if you do edit the why, who gave your favorite explanation off air? Thanks again, dudes. I appreciate the hard work y'all put into the show. Unless someone requests that something be off the record, it's usually left on the show. Like, we don't make that choice. It's always up to the guest. And there are times that they'll give us a full-on explanation and we leave it in there, right? There's enough rapid fires that aren't rapid at all. Yeah, we'll just be like, they'll say a name and we'll be like, is there a story there? Or it's already obvious yeah. and you already they mentioned it earlier in the episode or something. But there's also definitely been some whys explained to us off the record that we can't obviously ever release. But uh, basically... If they say something, like, we're trying to get as much on the pod as possible. Uh, but we're also going to respect if if they don't want it out there. But we'll usually just ask them, you know, after the fact. Like, they'll be like, they'll say something or they'll almost say someone's name and then switch it. And then be like, oh, like, I'll tell you, like, off the record or whatever. So there's definitely a lot of stuff off the record that we wish could go on, but... Um, we're obviously not going to force the issue. All right. Next up, we got an email from Dwayne Mullen. Yo, what's good, Bump Boys? I'm a big fan of the podcast. My buddies and I discuss illegal tricks from the show in between tries of skating, dusty ditches down here in Arizona. My favorite illegal trick is the boneless. It's powerful and easy. Another thing I enjoy the Bunt video reviews. You guys are critiquing the editing and filming, but never credit the filmer or editor by name. I've heard you two say something along the lines of, I have no idea who filmed this, but it's on point. Yo, do some research, take that extra step, watch the credits, and figure out who filmed and edited the part, and sh shout out them by name. Filmers and editors are the unsung heroes of skateboarding, and they don't get the shine they deserve. Filming is an art form, and editing is tedious as fuck. Let's give credit where credit is due. Yo, guilty as charged, bro. Dwayne, couldn't have said it better ourselves, man. <laughs> and we didn't say it ourselves. Wait, yeah, yeah, no. Well, we we don't, definitely guilty about not saying the names and not to make excuses, but fucking. Actually, you know, that's. Just, I'm not even gonna make the excuse, like, because if we're. Let me hear your what. No, you were I was just gonna say if we're dropping if we're with. dropping video reviews mid season with all the other shit we got going on we just try and crank those out quick and as you can see we've hardly done any because we're fucking busy with other shit so like we like to just throw it on fucking watch it you know off youtube it doesn't have the credits uh we're just watching the part and it is what it is just trying to get it fucking out to the people real quick but you are right we should go a bit further but in our also in our defense we have said multiple times over the years 
how underappreciated filmers are and they're the backbone of fucking all of skateboarding and like putting these people on the pedestals they're on you know so we definitely got a lot of love for filmers and editors and photographers but we'll try and be better yeah i ain't gonna lie we busy as fuck these days but we are lazy when it comes to that that literally would take like an extra three minutes of research i mean we talk about our fantasy teams for today in particular a half an hour before we started recording (laughs) we got the time to find the filmers and editors and Dwayne, from now on we doing it for you brother thanks for pointing this out yeah but the funny part is when's the next video review dropping (laughs) 2022 let's do one this week shit fuck it let's do it for Dwayne, man (laughs) yeah let's let's drop one i was gonna say this weekend i forgot it's sunday let's drop one let's (laughs) drop one by (laughs) let's drop one by next sunday before episode 11 comes out yeah so we got a week perfect shout out Dwayne. yeah big shouts Dwayne. all right next up we got an email from timothy stefaniak What's up, Safe and Donovan? Longtime listener of the pod and first time emailer. Thank you for making the best podcast in the game. I just took a trip to New York City to do some skate nerd tourism, check out some classic spots, and skate the parks. So I've just gotten off the bus from Boston to Manhattan and I'm skating to the hotel. I turn the corner and who do I see but Jake Johnson out skating a spot, filming a clip. Dude's done some of the gnarliest shit in NYC over the years switch flip nose grind pyramid ledges in minefield being a personal favorite of mine and there he is in the middle of the day on a fucking thursday pretty dope way to start my skate nerd vacation anyways i basically just ended up skating past the dude trying not to fuck up his sesh he sort of nodded to me and i nodded back and then i kept on skating i was thinking to myself should i stay and watch him skate for a few minutes when else are you going to see jake fucking johnson skate a spot in real life I decided that it might be kooking it and kind of weird to work on the sesh, so I just kept going on my way. Anyways, curious what y'all would have done in that situation. If you were out skating in another city and saw one of your favorite pros out filming a clip, would you work on the sesh or not? Nah? Thanks for reading my email, and I hope you guys have a great day. Tim. That's a really good question. I love that email. Let's break it down for yeah. him. So sometimes I would think to myself, would I like to see someone else skating by stop and watch me try to do a trick that I'm filming? Probably not. And then I'm going to take this back even further to when we were kids and when Ryan Allen was in town. <laughs> this was the era of the secret sessions where even our own friends would go on secret sessions, not hit up the homies. We had a huge crew, like a big time fucking crew back when we were young. It would be like easy double digits on a good day. And sometimes filming missions, you know, people just want to go out in a little bit of a smaller crew. And one time, I think it was Jesse Landon was trying to kickflip over this double set rail. And me and a couple of the other hooligans from Scarborough, we didn't get the invite, you know. (laughs) But we caught word that they were at the spot. So we just pulled up anyways, and the look on their face when we pulled up was sheer astonishment. (laughs) Not only because we weren't even going to come close to skating the spot, 
that we were just going to come and watch. But we also knew that we also weren't wanted there to begin with, and we pulled up anyways. And just being there and feeling the energy, it made me learn a lot, you know? <laughs> if you're not invited, just don't go. Like, we had no bit. We probably pulled up with the music blaring, got out, four guys in tall tees, loud as fuck. Jesse's trying to shoot a photo. Ryan Allen's probably hated us already. Couldn't be more disappointed to see us pull up. Not to say that you, by yourself, would have pissed off Jake Johnson, but I think you did the right thing. Yeah, so I got two answers for this. One is, like Dono, like it's kind of a skate etiquette thing, especially if you have a big crew, you know, just keep it moving. Like sometimes even when we're downtown and like, let's say we're skating with a few people and we see, you know, let's just say we, we see Bobby filming a, a clip with Tom, but I'm not on that session. Uh, and there was no communication that morning to meet up or whatever. And he's trying to film a clip. It's like, all right, I'll just keep it moving. I'll bump into you guys again later downtown. You know, like I don't want to fucking ruin your concentration. Right. But mm -hmm. when you're one person and it's your dream skater, like what, okay, this is what I would have done if I was you. I would have I would have sat across exactly the I would have gone into a coffee shop or something bought a little something picked up my board and then crossed the street and just blend in and just watch because you might like like you said it's Jake fucking Johnson you know you're in New York like of course you want to see what's going on but just don't make it kooky you know if you were with five homies then the right thing to do is keep it moving if you can just blend in to them busy New York streets and just fucking watch your boy skate for 10 minutes like fuck yeah i would do that and to go even one step further if one of us ran into jake johnson we would have probably blended in for a little while waited till he got the clip or not however the session went and then begged him to come on the pod man <laughs> it's jake johnson <laughs> like yeah. this is what it is we're trying to get every member of the quasi team on the show and jake's one of the only few left so if that's how we got to do it that's how we got to do it I r really respect Timothy that you were able to keep it moving, but I think uh, no one would have thought you were a kook if you stayed too. So I hope you don't regret it now hearing this from us, but um, next time, <laughs> next time you bump into Jake Johnson randomly in New York. <laughs> that's a weird, yo, that's a random favorite trick to the switch flip back nose grind. That was insane, but I'm pretty sure I remember he tic-tacked on that and it, I don't want to say it ruined the clip for me, but it just like, it came down a notch from being a potential favorite. Anyways. The true critique himself. Would you have told him to do it again? Probably. If it was your homie. Yeah. And he asked your opinion. For sure. But like, I don't know if he got kicked out, but <laughs> like, it depends on the battle, you know? Like if it's five hours deep and you're out of gas but if he if he did up. that and he's like still feeling good like i for sure for sure you're gonna try and get it no tick we weren't there though so who knows all right last email from the week coming in from two story short and sweet new hampshire cold winters means lots of parking garage flat ground which pro would you want to play in skate and win and play in skate for a good battle also you boys need to put it on blast and play skate for the fans and for blood. Damn, they want me and you to play? 
<laughs> we should film one of those for old time's sake, eh? Yeah. I gotta I gotta do it on a day where my kickflip ankle is not hurting. The other day, um <laughs> Jordan Joe Moss beat me and Joel in skate, and these are the tricks I fell on. Kickflip, fakie flip, nolly flip, heel flip, and nolly tray. Like if if my ankle's hurting, yeah. But if my ankle's hurting, like there's almost no point in me even trying to play because I can't kick flip. You know what I mean? And I can't heel flip. But I'd be down. That'd be fun to film that on a day when uh, we're feeling good. I actually absolutely gave Joel Scullard the business last weekend, dog. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Skate flat all you want, Joel. You ain't coming for this. Oh! <laughs> um, although he did a switch trade that actually made my jaw drop. Like it was, it was incredible. Oh, is this when we were at um, Pond? Yeah. Yeah. I Shocked the shit out of me for a guy that skates new shoes every time he skates in a new brand. Like it was pretty impressive. <laughs> Real shit. <laughs> this guy pulls up with S shoes one day. Nike's the next, Vans the next, Adidas the next, New Balance. This guy's crazy. And now he's skating some fucking tiny ass board too. Like that's gonna help him. Like <laughs> Joel, ain't nobody out there we love more than you, brother. <laughs> um, who's a pro that you would want to play and you think you could win? Uh, I probably fucked On up. On your best day, like that I would want to beat or that I think I could beat. Um, either or Such a weird question I don't even care about skate at all like that um, <laughs> Oh you know what I would I th I did beat Morgan in a three way game with someone And Morgan being the psycho that he is He just like kept skating as if like he hadn't lost But like I knew I won in my head And I've been wanting to beat him my whole life So that felt good but he didn't even give me the satisfaction of fucking like admitting when he lost. It was insane. Um, but I know I know he knows because I know how competitive he is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fire. Yeah. Um, it's a fucking pro that I want to play in skate. Yo, I want to play Shane Hyle in skate. <clears throat> Yo, that'd be Mostly sick. Mostly just because I want to fucking buck up with him. Like, I just want to hang with him. Bro, we got to go down there and, like, go to a Rams game with him, man. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Yo, the post office is so goddamn bumping. We might need to separate sports into its own podcast like we've always talked about, man. <laughs> Real shit. Like, these are almost 45-minute post office these days. Like, shit is the real deal, and it's thanks to the people. Thank you for sending your emails and voice notes in. We appreciate you all, and we answer every single one. And keep getting them into the buntlive at gmail.com, man. Hell yeah. Thank you, the people. This is The Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports, brought to you by the one and only Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner. The only buzz. Ghost, might be time to do a little bit of sports trivia for another green cam box. What do you think, man? Should we do that for the final ep, episode 12? Oh, 
Is that a goal? Let's get it, man. Let's get the people buzzed. Still, <laughs> we got to, baby. This week we're gonna do a little bit of fantasy sports. Something, obviously, if you know me and the ghost, we eat, breathe, and love fantasy sports. And it's and it's playoff time in fantasy basketball right now. So we're gonna break this down into three sections. You're gonna give me your fantasy MVP. Your fantasy dud of the year, the most overdrafted guy with the biggest flop. And then the sleeper that paid off the most, man. I mean, we're talking a late round guy who turned out to be a stud. Let's start with the MVPs. I think you got to go with Jokic, man. He's He went in that like late first round, second half of the first round for sure in most drafts. And... He's been the number one player all season. Uh, it's been insane. He's almost averaging a triple-double with like 26 points. 26, 11, and 9 or something, or 8. Obviously clean percentages. He's just a beast and hits threes for a big. Doesn't block that many shots, but he's just like... Every team and every league that I'm in, like, if you've got Jokic, you had a good season. You know what's the craziest thing about Jokic or uh, Jokic is that in years past he was an extremely hard guy to build a team around. Yeah, that's why I didn't draft if him. He the was last your couple first years. or second pick. I mean, was he ever a second round pick? Maybe if you were lucky. But you just never knew what you were going to get from him. And for me and you, like we just want that rock solid first pick. Like we don't mess around with that shit. And Jokic was always that tough guy to build around, and now he's just taking his game to a completely different level and you can't go wrong with that guy one guy who i also think would go in the back half of the first round or maybe right in the middle that i always love to have is dame lillard man yeah he's a solid as they come mvp this year but he's just like the most trustworthy guy you know exactly what you're getting you know yeah and the funny thing is i feel like the last handful of years he's been a top five fantasy asset but he never gets drafted like that there's always people that Absolutely. go ahead of him and then his biggest thing though is durability because he hardly misses games he missed some this year Iron Man. but that's a big part of like what just makes him a top five asset almost every year mm-hmm. and i'm gonna special return to greatness this is what i thought i was getting out of steph curry when i took him in the first round last year but steph curry is back and uh, oh my god He'll probably be first overall next year. What an absolute pleasure to watch this season. But yeah, fantasy-wise, uh, just because there's probably two people that were, will care about this. I had him all year, and then <laughs> I traded Steph and Malik Beasley because it looked like the Warriors were going to maybe be tanking. He was like resting here and there, but then whatever he's y'all know what he's doing now and they're clearly going for the play-in tournament uh but i traded malik beasley and steph for um jamal murray and jason tatum and of course murray's out with the acl and malik's out with a hamstring so essentially i did steph for tatum one for one and it's definitely come back to bite me in the ass because i might lose field goal percentage this week and Tatum shot like ass all week and didn't hit enough threes. So thank you, fucking Tatum. And the next category will be someone who exceeded expectations. And for me, it's not a guy that would be drafted too far down the lineup, 
but just a guy that's always valuable the last couple years and never drafted the way he should be and that's Vucevic man oh dude. he's an absolute killer and for some reason he's never one of the top bigs he's like you could maybe even get him in the third round sometimes and he's the second ranked fantasy player this year and he's <laughs> an absolute stud and doesn't get the respect every time probably because he doesn't have the defensive stats that like some of the bigs do but this guy's a fucking lights out shooter yeah 100% couldn't agree more he amazing percentages and also durable as fuck i'm looking in this one league he was picked 24th and i've actually never had him because even though i consider myself good at fantasy basketball i always fucking do forget about him in round two and that's where you yeah, that's where you I can get like him like but you can take him in round one but it's like you want to get that value and try and sneak him in round two but i'm looking here i took john collins over him kind of fucking cheesed about that and then i think <laughs> he got taken one spot before me and i took eight and theo took him second round smart but um hell of a pick miles turner man this year he well it sucks he got hurt for the fantasy playoffs but he uses at like three and a half blocks per game and his fantasy like impact is fucking so blessed because he hits some threes too not a big scorer but he he usually goes in in rounds like four or five and this year he was a first round player also chris paul because the injury history but Dude. per game he's always a beast but he's i never draft him because of injuries uh but last year and this year man he's been durable and he's like a top 24 guy but he always gets drafted uh last few years like round four or five as well dude i feel like it's the age and people are always worried and not to quote max kellerman but they're always worried that this year will be the cliff yeah you know mm -hmm. and that's a big worry especially when uh when you're drafting in that range, you still want to get that that sure thing. For sure. And now we'll go with the fantasy flop. Who was one guy that uh, absolutely flopped for you? Mitchell fucking Robinson. Never drafting him again unless it's like middle of the draft. I think I took him in round four. And he's just... He showed flashes of legit defensive greatness. And I mean fantasy greatness because he overcommits in real life to blocking shots which is not good for a real defense but his his blocks per minute in like his rookie season were insane and then last year he had some injuries and i was like okay this is the year he's gonna break out and he's gonna be the starter because before he'd be coming off the bench and it was just a disaster one injury after the next and unfortunately i robbed my boy mark in a trade what was that one I traded away Mitchell Robinson and Kelly Oubre for Bam Adebayo, uh, and then uh, Mitch Robinson. But he loves yo, Mitchell Robinson. He does. He loves Oubre too. He, he had both him. in the year before, so I knew I could maybe. I thought he was getting that nice two for one. Yeah, and he Mitch played four minutes and about fifteen seconds for him before breaking his foot after the trade. So I'm sorry, Mark. So I have two examples for this one. One. That people might hear it and say, oh, it's because he got injured, but he was pretty dog shit before the injury. Came back and he's had a game or two that are nice, but still pretty dog shit. And this is my absolute, one of my favorite guys in the NBA, in use of Nurchich. Yeah. I thought I struck gold 
getting getting nurtured. I think it was in the third round, but that absolutely shittered my team. He didn't he didn't play well at all. And then Kobe White. I saw what this guy did in the bubble last year, and he went absolutely psycho. And I thought it was going to translate into the regular season, and uh, it did not. That guy cannot shoot <clears throat> for shit. You but can yo, find the worst shooter at any pickup game, and he can shoot better than Kobe. Yo, White. do you want to look at the worst thing you've ever seen because of what you just said? So Sunday night going into round one, I was looking at him and I was like, nah, he can't shoot. I don't want him and his turnovers because my team usually wins turnovers and field goal. So I was like, mm, I could have picked him up for this week. And I was like, nah. And then Adrian picked him up and look at the fucking, he's been shooting like over 50% all week and destroying me on threes. Like I could not be more pissed. If you look at my matchup, like, I, if I had grabbed him, I probably would have won easily. Instead, he got a shit ton of points, threes, and somehow a good field goal percentage this week. Devastating. That's the type of guy he is, Kobe. <laughs> yeah. And I want to give a, a shout out to... Uh, this is a guy that me and you... I don't think I've ever seen him on one of our teams. And uh, hopefully that changes for next year. But he could be the fantasy MVP and the unsung hero of the league. And he could even be the fucking real life MVP. Julius Randle. Because if... If people in New York got to vote, this guy would be the king of every damn castle in the world. Julius Randle, baby. What a fucking turnaround. Bro, you know what? what's crazy is sometimes I feel like I'm too harsh based on previous numbers, fantasy-wise. So, like, I like Julius Randle. Uh, you know, he was a Laker when Kobe was still there. I like him in real life, but I hated his game for fantasy. It, too many turnovers, not a great free throw shooter, not too many threes, not too many defensive stats. So, like, he'd be putting up, like, you know, 17 points and eight rebounds or something, which is pretty nice. But he'd be ranked so poorly in our, our league's ranking system. I was just like, nah, like, he just doesn't work for the type of teams I like to build. So I never drafted him. And dude took him the last two years. And, like, this year he actually became that dude. Um, so he went mad props to Lude for, or sorry, well, actually, yeah, props to Lude, but mad props to Julius Randle for taking his game to a new level. Like, he's got to be five, six years into his career. It's kind of rare to see it. Um, like, he, he's probably going to win most improved this year, and that's fucking could make a shot at MVP as well. Like, obviously, he's not going to win it, but like, he should be in the conversation. Yeah, dude, that's. It's crazy. And I just got sad the other day, like watching him because uh, they just won nine straight. Right. And I forget he had some big play down the stretch the other day. He was an all star this year. And just it made me sad just knowing that like Kobe was a huge mentor of his and isn't getting to see this season from him. Being in New York, being a Nick, bringing the Knicks back to relevancy. This guy could be a goddamn trillionaire if he stays <laughs> yeah. with the Nick and has a good career with Yo, them. Because they've been, they've been waiting. Dude, he was drafted in 2014. How crazy and dope is it to see him blossom like that this many years into the league? It's incredible. Yeah. Just an absolute beast. Dude, I saw a picture of all the old young Lakers. And like, it's crazy how much talent they had, but how trash they were when they were all young together. Julius Randle. Yeah. Uh... Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clarkson also having like a defining season. Oh. Um, 
what's his face in Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell, and I think Russell's best time was in Brooklyn. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But just just yeah. like he never got to be that, that good in in yeah. LA. Uh, Larry Nance, and I think there was one more. Like all these guys that bounced, and like they're all doing well for themselves now and getting them contracts and shit. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Bunt. Episode 10 of season 13. Two left to go, man. You know they're about to be hammers. Let's go. Peace.